Welcome to the late arriving ninth episode of the National Cascade Podcast. I'm Aiden, and with me in the room I have Ricky, Tom, and and the Invisible Man. So there's just the three of us tonight, and we are uh, uh, have to apologize for running so late. A combination of uh, family life and work life across mm. the the group has has led us to not be able to to podcast. But hopefully, real life happened. It does. It Warhammer. Does. Uh, Got postponed. Hopefully, uh, regular programming shall resume. Yeah. So, uh, we have a few interesting things uh, going on this evening. Uh, we are starting the the heavyweight contenders oh, yeah. for the pit. Um, so we've got uh, Durthu from the New Wood Elf book, and Golgfag Maneater from the Ogre Kingdoms book. Uh, you almost did it without giggling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I didn't do a Sigvald voice either. A um, lot of man eating jokes yeah. around here. <laughs> we, we've so many. Okay. Um, so we'll rip through our uh, our news and rumors. Um, and there may or may not be a rant in there again. Who knows? Um, we've got a little bit to talk about on Tournament Zone. Uh, I think we're going to hear about the first scenario for Sparkle Party 4 from Ricky. Correct. Um, and then for Art of War tonight, uh, we're going to cover uh, the MSU strategy, which is multiple small units. Um, and then finally, for our hobby horse, we're going to be talking about bases. Okay, so um, let's run right into it and get started with the pit. The pit. The pit. The pit. So, okay, here we are at the pit. Um, I'm going to be rolling for Durthu. Yeah. And Tom is going to be rolling for Golgfag, but before we the get Gold into that, fag. Let, let's read a little bit of their fluff. So I, I, I do not think that I can do any kind of Durthu voice in all seriousness, guys. I just, I'm not tall and woody enough. <laughs> <laughs> Need more fiber in your diet. That's what it is. Okay, but I will read a little bit about him. So Durthu is an elder of Athalorn, a tree man so ancient that even Ariel's millennia-long existence pales in comparison. Durthu's benevolence is gone, replaced by an abiding madness. No longer is he a healer and teacher. He has taken up a sword forged specially for him by Daith and become solely a destroyer. He makes no distinction between the lost, the innocent, and the wicked. All who tread Durthu's beloved glades without leave are doomed if the elder happens upon them. That means you, Golgfag. Durthu. Yeah. Durthu. All right, so that's Durthu. Um, I will quickly go through his rules. Um, so he is a monster. Um, he is weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 7. Um, strength, toughness, and wounds 6, and 6 attacks, leadership 10. He's a level 1 wizard um, using spells from Lore of Beasts. Golgfag is cowering in the corner right now. As, as, as he this. should be. <laughs> Um, so he has the Wood Elf special rule Blessings of the Ancients, which gives him plus one to cast in a forest. That's not going to happen in the pit, unfortunately. He's flammable, which could be bad. Um, he's a forest spirit, which gives him a six-up ward and immune to psych. Uh, he has frenzy and hatred, so he'll be getting some nice re-rolls with his seven attacks. Um, Who booked me for this fight? Fire <laughs> my manager. <laughs> there was a lot of money involved. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's a large target, scaly skin, three plus, stubborn terror, and a tree whack special attack. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to be using that. And he Just finally do it once. he has a spe- 
If he's down to one, we'll yeah, just tree whack him. Tree whack him to death. Yeah, well, it's fifty-fifty chance of killing him. No, I don't think so. Um, Lamentations. Power game. Huh? Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you on the first turn, man. <laughs> what a thought. Lamentation of despairs, which is a twelve-inch range, strength two, multiple shots, killing blow, uh, multiple shots, two d six, actually, shooting attack. Okay, so that's Darthu. Woo. All right, hand me Goldfag. What am I reading about Goldfag? I just read the first. The first uh, paragraph is pretty good. Okay. I oh, know that's more than cavalry. Where did you go, Goldfag? There we go. Comrade Goldfag. Goldfag, man eater. <laughs> Go. Okay. More tales are told about Goldfag than any other ogre alive, and Goldfag himself spins a great many of them. Though he exaggerates with wild abandon, Golgfag is still the most successful of all ogre mercenary captains. He has won countless battles, looted upon the sacred island of Ulpuan, set eyes upon ruinous caven blight and survived, guzzled more kegs of Bugman Sixx than most dwarfs have even seen, and been personally decorated by Emperor Karl Franz. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so Golgfag's been around a bit. Um, might have met his match now, though. You think? I think he might have. Yeah. Um, so oh, he's. I think he's a hero level character. His hero level. Yeah. How many out of interest? How many points is Dirthu? Three eighty-five. Three eighty-five versus yeah. two sixty for for Golik Fag. So yeah, good. Should be a kind of stacked against him. Ha ha ha! About time the Wood Elves had something <laughs> stacked in their favor. Okay, so. Um, so Golgfag's monstrous infantry he causes fear. He's got the ogre charge special rule. Um, he's strength five. Uh, he has this really cool special rule this called is Easy what we're Come, most Easy Go. Most excited about for this battle, yeah. Yeah, so um, that rule basically allows him to roll 2d6, multiply the score by 10, and then take that many points of magic items. So uh, normal restrictions on magic items apply. So that means you can take rulebook ones and Ogre Kingdom ones. Um, and that's pretty cool. And his other special rule only affects uh, man-eater units in the game, so that's not going to apply here tonight. All right, so let's. Why don't you roll your magic item allowance first? Well, before we get into the actual playing, we should mention that we have here possibly the most beautiful-looking pit they, episode of all time. We they have, are amazing. We models. have Durthu and Golgfag, beautifully painted by Ricky. Thank oh, you, very much. guys. The <laughs> pictures for both of them are now up on Tale of Painters, right? The, yeah, they both should be live on Tale of Painters. Yep, yeah. and I'll also definitely go check them out. I'll also put a link uh, on the uh, on the show notes, so you should be able to go and have a look at those. We've got definite eye candy going on here, though. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> looks fantastic, and I can actually see the models pretty well. You know, normally when <laughs> normally when yeah, it's just a little, little twenty-five things. mil guy, it's <laughs> like, well, okay, it could be anything. Um, but but now it actually feels like a battle, so that's kind of cool. Why don't you go ahead and roll your spell first? Roll of all? my spell. Are you, okay. are you just going to take weapons? Or no, if I roll all Savage right. Beast of Horus, I'm keeping <laughs> it. <laughs> are you kidding me? Strength nine. All right. Yeah. He all rolls. Right. I rolls a two. That a two. Is, uh, I've got, you got a pan's, pan's impenetrable, impenetrable pelt. pelt. Yeah, I don't Very care. I'm going to take weapons well for him. All right. All right. Yeah. Wild well, form it is, and then see how many. Uh, how much all right. How much pointage do I get? Come on. Uh, seven. Uh, Average. 70. So 70 points of items. Right. So um, I think i got to take a four-up ward, which is 45 points, leaving right. me with 25. Should I take the, the ruby ring? Ruby ring it Just is. Just do it. Yeah. Oh. No, the, the uh, potion of strength might do, might do better do for better? me. Whatever you think. Mm, without a potion of... I mean, a ruby ring would be fun, but I can't... I'm okay. not really going to hurt him. How so I'll take, the, uh, I'll, I'll take <laughs> the potion of strength... 
And uh, that leaves me five points left. Any ideas? Anything fun, guys? Uh, For five points? Uh, you got nothing. Mm. I've already taken an enchanted item. I'm, uh, yeah, that, there's nothing really I Not can take. Really anything at five points. What you should maybe do instead is just upgrade yourself to the uh, armor of destiny. It's not going to make any difference. Against uh, um, your if shooting, attack, shooting attack. All right, yeah. so we'll take the armor of destiny, giving me a five up armor save total. Yeah. Potion of strength. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. All right. All right. I want to take the potion of strength because the model actually has a little potion hanging from him, his belt. And he gives belt, you a four so. too, right? right. Yeah, yeah, I got, got a four yeah. board, five up armor. Right. All right, we're in it to win it. All right, let's uh, go. Let's see, see who gets that's first really turn. smart because I didn't even think about giving him a ward save. I was like, <laughs> the yeah. fun stuff. I let's give him a giant blade. We should yeah. mention that if, if I rolled a 10 up, we were going to give him the um the wizarding hat. The wizarding hat. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. Hope for lore of fire and just fireball. Or lore of metal. You know, yeah, lore of metal. Doom, yeah, Ooh, yeah. 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 Anyway. Okay, so let's see. Roll up, see who gets first, first turn. turn. Can I get some dice closer to oh, me? Sure. I only get a two. Thank you. All right. Yeah, that's about as many dice as I'm going to need. <laughs> I only get a one, so right. no, golf fight gets first turn. Yes. What's the range on a pistol? 12 inches? I believe so, yeah. Yep. Mm. But if I'm 12 inches away, then you'll move. Oh, you oh, ogre pistol? Uh, doesn't the ogre pistol have a 24-inch range? Well, let's look it up here. Here, I'll hand it, that to, would be delicious. I'll hand it to Tom. I'll let him look it up, because yep. that sounds like work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you've already put in the hard work, man. <laughs> He's done all the painting. This is the kind of thing we need to look up before we go live. Well, we should have just... Yeah, it's all good. Mm -mm -mm. Hopefully we're... Ah, oh, yeah, 24 inches. Yeah, that's what I thought. Strength four. Armor piercing. All right. Hair. Mm. Yeah, you're 24 inch range. If you want to drag out the shooting... Well, I want game. to... I I just... What's your, your move? Six, seven? Uh, Six. Move five, I think. For a big old tree like you? Well, unless he's got a special move, all the other trees are move five. Yep, right. move five. Move five, so you're looking at an average 12-inch charge. So I'm going to move up. Um, I'm going to move up seven inches. All right, seven inches. You and then I'm going to shoot inches away. You. Okay, do it. Bring so it. with my ogre pistol. Bring it. What's my uh, Golg Fag's ballistic skill? I've got a four, and I moved. I'm a, I'm at long range, so I'm on a five up. All right. Damn it. This is on a three. All right. Well, Over no, would to you have you. been able to shoot if you marched? I didn't. Oh, I moved seven inches. Yeah. Ah, hmm. So, no, I couldn't shoot. Uh-huh. Well, you missed anyways. I missed anyways. <laughs> so so there you go. Do you want to be back to six then, or do you want to say you didn't shoot? Which is we'll it? move me back to six. All right, and we'll we say that I shot. Okay. All right, at which point I'm not going to try and charge because uh, I'm 18 away. I don't think so. Uh, I'll just move up. Let's see. I will move up. Uh, what's your move? Your move is six. Yeah, and I can get that sweet ogre charge if I make a, mm -hmm, a long charge. Mm -hmm. So let's move me to 20. Why not? No, hang on. That'd be only 14 away. Ah, move me right up to 18. There. Okay, so now I'm 12 inches away. So I'm going to use my shooting attack. All right. Okay. Uh, so let me. Oh, first off, magic phase. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? When's the magic? Five. Five. Tom's got four. Tom's got four. I'm going to throw. Can you channel? Yeah, you can channel, channel. Right? Oh, I can channel, yeah. I do oh, not channel. Boo. 
I'll throw dimensional let's see. cascade. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be absolutely perfect. Oh well, we already determined see, any caster that dimensionally cascades in the pit automatically, automatically wins. wins. That's true. <laughs> All right. All right. In that case, do it. <laughs> five dice on Wisson's wild form. Uh, very close. Oh, yeah. that's a really good roll. Okay. I need a double six. I got an eighteen to, on this. See that away. And I don't. Okay. So, right. so he's I'm got his strength and toughness form. seven. Nineteen. You got a nineteen on that. Yep. Nice. Okay. Uh, so my shooting attack then. Multiple shots, 2d6. I get 6. And I'm ballistic skill 7 at long range, and I moved, so I'm still hitting you on 2s. No, 3 uh, is because of multi-shot. Uh, oh, that's a pretty weak roll. Only 3 hits. And sixes. Circle wind. One. 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 All right. And a spinner and a spinner and it stops. Just the one. Okay. So I got my uh, five up armor. Nope. And my four up ward. That is no good. Golokai right. is down to three already. Yeah. What? From the lamentation what? of despair. Strength two hit. All right, ogre boy. Bring it. All right. We're, we're getting it on now. All right. Enough of this hanging around. <laughs> Charging, get a 12-inch charge to make. Well, so first of all, I'm slugging down my potion of strength. There it goes, okay. Oh, boy, you hope you don't fail this charge. I'm not failing this charge. You're not failing. Got a seven oh, plus a six. So, okay. yeah, I'm in. Thankfully, no impact I, hit. One impact hit. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, just one no impact hit. No extra impact hits. No extra impact hits. Boom. All right, make your impact hit. Okay, then. so it's an impact hit at strength eight. Top seven. Oof. Okay. Oh. Rolls a one. No! <laughs> Golg fag. <laughs> All right. Okay. So make your fear test. Mm, fear test. Makes I've it just, on an eight. Just, just on an eight. Okay. So I'm hitting you first. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. Your initiative four. Okay. So I'm um, hitting two. Uh, six attacks. Five plus I have two hand weapons. Um, and I'm weapon skill five. You're presumably higher. Seven. Okay. So on fours. I'm rolling like balls today. All right, so two, so two, hits, two hits out of the six. Uh, strength eight. Top seven, so threes to wound. Are you seven normally, or is that with Wissons? That's with Wissons, okay. six normally. So two wounds? Two wounds, okay. So uh, strength eight negates my armor save, mm -hmm. so just my ward save of six up. Six up. Um, nope. He's only failed them I both. take two wounds. Okay, so now I get to attack back. It's gonna hit. Yes, it is. I have uh, six attacks plus one for frenzy is seven, and I have hatred, so I get to reroll. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, hitting on threes. Uh, reroll's not really necessary. I got rolled six hits, and then reroll doesn't hit anyway. Six. Whew. Okay, strength seven, tough. Five. Alrighty. On twos. twos. That's four, One five. Fail. One fail. Five, yikes. All right, could be all over already. Five, four up ward saves. Four up ward. Oh, he makes three of them. Oh, make three, so alive. I have one wound left. All right. Boom. Boom, indeed. Okay, next turn. Uh, what What was oh, the on. score on that round? I think we you, both did two and I charged, yeah. so I win. No, no, I did three. Uh, did I only do two? You did two. Oh, because I did the other one in shooting. you did the other one with shooting. Yep. And I charged, That's so okay. I win. I'm stubborn. So you're not frenzy anymore. Oh. Good are you point. stubborn? Yeah. What leadership? Ten. Oh, you're running, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> not on three. <laughs> on three, not, he's yeah. not running. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keep, 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 keep. All right, boyo. 
Potion of Strength only lasts one, one uh, round, not one player turn, not one full turn, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, okay. So on win, turn two, Winds of Magic. Winds of Magic. Six. All right. Six dice something. Six dice in this. I don't need to. Can't throw any more than oh, six at it anyway. There you go. True. Wilson's goes off on a 14, 16, 17, 18, 19 again. Well, Tom throws his dice everywhere. <laughs> How did they even throw that way? But it doesn't. It doesn't uh, work. Uh, if you'd rolled a six on that last dice, you could have. It was not. It was not a six. No. Okay. All right. So it was a failure. Seven again. Okay, you get to attack first. I'm attacking first at strength five this time. Yep. Okay. That's much more manageable. Okay, six attacks. Uh, four hits. Four hits. And wounding on uh, sixes this time, right? Uh, strength. Strength five uh, on your seven, T7. Seven. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, two. Two, two yeah. Good okay, target. so strength five. So, uh, so three up scaly skin goes to a five up. Five up, six up. Uh, there's one of them saved, and then a six up ward for the last one. Nope. Okay, down. Got to him down. Wounds. Got him down to half strength. All right. Pretty pleased with that. And here comes the smush. Three, six. Well, he's down to one, so you gotta you gotta beach slap him now. Yeah. Beach slap. No way. He's got initiative four. <laughs> I'm not gonna use the tree whack on something with initiative four. Do it. No way. <laughs> I'm just gonna do slap it. him to death. Do, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. What do we got? Is that a yeah, hit? That's a hit. It's a six. All right. So we got four hits. And three wounds. Oh, I'm making three saves. You think so? No prob. <laughs> Let's do it, Golgfag. No, oh, oh, I made two of yeah. them. Golgfag's right. done. Smushed. Well, you, you got him uh, 50% down. I got him 50% down. Yeah, you know what's Potion interesting it, is, is you can't actually give him the man eater special rolls. Yeah. Because poison would have been quite nice. Poison would have been, been nice. For him. But you also whiffed um, on that first turn with your potion. Yeah, I did. Which yeah. I think, otherwise, you might have actually won this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the potion was a good choice. I that think. was a really good choice. Um, think, yeah. it, it helped that I had Wissens because, uh, you know, then it, it wasn't just two up to wound, it was a three sure. up. Yeah. Taking um, that, that armor and then the, the potion, I think that was a really good combo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good uh, pit match. All right, so. Way to go, Durthu. A Durthu's opponent in the next pit is. Cetra the Imperishable. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, all you right. say the Cetra the Imperishable, but all I hear is Mumra the <laughs> Ever Living. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anything about Cetra. Is he actually a match? Is it going to be? Yeah, a, he's in a chariot, yeah. and, actually, and he's got flaming attacks. Oh, yeah. okay. It's actually a... it's going to be a real tough match for Durthu. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's going to be a fine line as to who wins that. Is one. Cetra also a, ma- a magician at all? Uh, no. Okay. No. But, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. He's he's just going to carve up Durthu. So yeah, it's, does he have heroic killing blow or anything? Because I know a lot I of Tomb King stuff does have heroic killing blow. I actually blow. think he might. Oh, we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Well, well that was his rules later. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that was the pit. And uh, let's mosey on. Hail champion Dirthu. Yeah. Woo. News and rumors. So, of course, the biggest news from Games Workshop um, has been the release of 7th edition 40K. About time. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was. They didn't have a new edition recently. Yeah. Stunned silence for a yeah. moment there. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it was two years ago that they released the sixth edition. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Um, I have zero yeah. interest in 40k, although I do like the background. 
But but the really interesting part is, well, how likely does that make ninth edition? And what what was interesting to me is, um, so they've done the seventh edition stuff. Actually, let's talk about ninth edition, and I'll talk about some other bits and bobs related to that. Okay. So um, uh, I've seen some rumors from the same people who predicted that seventh edition was coming now, or whenever it came out, like last month, that ninth edition is going to come in the summertime. Hmm. Um, okay. So uh, in the summertime, as in now, uh, the as in as in before like September, uh, b- before September, like late August, early Whoa. September. So. So Bretonians are allegedly coming in July. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I've heard too. Which will be awesome. Um, we'll talk about that in a sec. But then ninth edition, uh, after a, another release of 40k stuff after the Bretonians, then ninth edition. Um, so they'll have two new releases basically this year. So uh, it's interesting because eighth edition came out what like about four years ago. Uh, Two thousand ten, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So four years. Um, and, and had a lot of rage quitters, um, like by the sounds of things, a lot of people stopped playing after seventh when eighth came out. Hmm. Um, and now they're slowly starting to come back to it after all of the new books have been released. Um, what are you guys, uh, expecting, hoping for wishlisting for ninth edition? I'm hoping for just a tweak because yeah. I'm just enjoying eighth more and more as I play more. Yeah. Like I really have not stopped enjoying eighth yet. There's just a f- few things for me that need to be tweaked around a little bit a few of the uh kind of mechanics about um breaking uh big death star units kind of thing like i think flank charges and stuff should probably break steadfast um things like that but really i could i could list like a few minor tweaks but i can't list like a core mechanic of the game that i want to change yeah so i'm hoping for a tweak what about what about you guys um, mine would be tweaking. Um, I don't want them to get a, do anything to Steadfast. I think Steadfast is what makes 8th edition playable for small core units. Like Otherwise, we go back to the age when every core is just Huge crap. blocks. Yeah, well, no, not huge blocks, just crap. They'll take the exact minimum of core because hmm. without Steadfast... Oh. There's no point in having it because it's just going to die and run away. Yeah. So, because so Steadfast most, is a reason to take just a big unit yeah, kind of crappy so, troops. Yeah. So as an anchor. Stead, Steadfast makes it so my entire Skaven army is core. You know, it does really well. If I don't do that, then who knows what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's the same with my goblins. I could, I could fill it out with core, and probably do pretty well. So it, it, if we lose that Steadfast, like you're saying, just by having something. I think right now it's fairly well balanced. You I mean, it would have, have to, to be... work to get something big enough to, to do. Right. That. So currently, like a, a unit with two full ranks, ten models in the in the flank mm-hmm. will negate the ranks, but it doesn't break steadfast. I kind of think it would be nice if it did because it mm-hmm. puts more incentive on like outmaneuvering big units, and and more incentive on being careful with your big unit the way you use it. Because currently, with a big Death Star, you can just march it up the field and be like, "Sure, charge me in every single." Every single facing, it doesn't matter, you know. Well, you know, there's a simple way to solve this that would probably meet both requirements. If you said that any unit in the flank or in the rear, um, they currently need to have uh, two full ranks to disrupt. Mm -hmm. But you could also then just say, well, whatever their rank bonus becomes a rank penalty to steadfast. 
So if they had a plus one rank bonus, then you get a negative one to your steadfast. Mm. If they, so if yeah. it's a big unit in the side, right. it doesn't have to be the bigger than, or more ranks than, than what you've got. But that makes sense. If you get hit by like four ranks of cavalry in your flank, sure. you know, that should give you a penalty to your leadership, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah. yeah, I think there are a few. I, I agree. I think there are a few tweaks that I would like to see. Um, I'd love cannons to be completely. Oh, fixed. that's another great point. Can cannons. I yeah. think that cannons should, you know, should not be able to shoot through any terrain. Mm -hmm. I think any terrain should stop a cannonball. Or just make um, them D three wounds and D three wounds. Yeah. Or just make it and make it so you only hit like rider or mount yeah. with and a even, monster. Even if know? that means in order to make bolt throwers still comparable points wise, that they go down to, you know. Um, one to two points instead of one to three points. That that would be fine with of me. wounds. You mean? Yeah, of wounds. I mean, um, bolt but, throwers are just uh, they don't have the strength of a cannon. Yeah, so, so they they're already penalized. Good. But yeah. so I I just yeah I think cannons are one of the things in the game that make big monsters unplayable. Mm -hmm. Make um, single characters just prohibitive. And that and just you know, make really swingy games where you can basically yeah. be be over in turn one because your two yeah. two models were sniped off by cannons yeah. and you're yeah. just done. And it, it's one of those things where you spend weeks painting one model, put it down, and it's gone turn one because sure. somebody just hit with their cannon, or if which they wanna, can't miss. if they want to keep cannons the same, they yeah. should be like 300 points, yeah. 200 but points, they can't, something. But they can't do that because they'd have to change all the rule books. Oh, yeah, that's true. So they just need to change the way cannons work in the yeah. main rule book to balance them, I think. I think if they, if they made them, even if all they did was make them D3 wounds... Uh, right away that makes the that helps so that much. helps so many guys like it helps monsters it helps mm -hmm. uh, it even helps lone characters yeah um and Anything then that encourages people to get the monsters on the table again yeah and and what i would like to see is that the cannon grape shot was more effective because it's very short range right now um it's very hit or miss as to how many shots you get mm -hmm. um and i think as a way if you're saying uh hey we're 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 Making the cannons, I actually feel the thing that really bothers me about cannons is not how much damage they do, it's it's how accurate they are. Yeah. yeah. Right? Right. Um, you have a, a two and three chance of hitting with a cannon. So that's the thing. You Doesn't need matter to what you're the accuracy at. or make it so that it's not such a big deal. That it it should be less time. accurate. Yeah. That's really all. It, I mean, if it was a one and three chance to hit every time, like all of the other war machines, then I would be happy. So what could they do to make it less accurate? Do you want to reintroduce the guess the range kind of dynamic? Um, no, which, no, I'm no. not sure because there's nothing about guessing the range in in Eighth Edition. No, right? exactly. Yeah. And I think but that it's hard to think how else to make a kind of so easy accurate. to cheat on that and and you know whatever else. Oh, I'm just measuring range for something else. Sure. Like, Ooh, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Well, somebody will have an iPhone app or something. Yeah. And point at the yeah. Table yeah. And tell you exactly how far. Like, I just yeah. got to text my wife. Oh, <laughs> I'll shoot forty inches. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think actually what I would probably want to see is um, if you rolled, maybe you could just make it so that you have to roll two artillery dice um, um, in your first stop. And if either one of those is a, a misfire, then the cannon misfires. There's or, no bounce. Or not even have it. Um, I w yeah, I would do just that. Maybe you roll three artillery dice. That's as far as the cannonball goes. Yep. You don't have mm. ranges on cannons you can't say okay i'm going to put it 10 inches in front of that 
the back of that. Ten inches from the very back corner yeah. of that. Guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like How many times have you heard that? It's way God across that. the table, and it's like maybe no matter what, they just shoot from the barrel yeah. a certain number of inches. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and everything in the path gets hit or yep. something like that. Yep. I'd be okay with that, yeah. too. Because that would stop people just shooting a cannon right yeah. through their own units. Yeah. yeah, and then they would have to you put know. their cannons up where they could be captured because they wouldn't be behind Yeah, you'd have them. to create yeah. like yeah. firing channels in yeah. your line. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I... I that's more realistic with how a cannon really works. That's one thing that annoys yeah. me a lot. You see this giant like 50 infantry guys with two cannons behind them. People are like, yeah, my cannon's just going to shoot straight through yeah. my own unit. Yeah. Your tree man. Over <laughs> over the, those units, through the woods, <laughs> yeah. over a wall, and then I'm going to hit just you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Land right on you. Yeah. yeah. yeah and no. do D6 wounds. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Strength yeah. 10. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think yeah, actually I'm thinking that's the way to do it is just make them do damage just more random from the point they leave the barrel all sure. the way through. Yeah. You can't shoot it if it hits your own troops and you roll two artillery dice. You can yeah. go 20 inches with a cannon. Yeah, you know, I would I don't really care about how much damage it does if if it's harder to hit. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, a cannon, you know, even even at their height Cannon were not as accurate as they're represented in the. No, they're laser the guns book. in yeah. this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah actually, they, they are. They're. I mean, yeah. I don't even think there's cannons this accurate in our modern military right yeah. now. We have <laughs> to missiles to do this kind yeah. of stuff mm. that they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not something that people can turn around and point at something and shoot and, and shoot just... through two two stands of trees and over a wall and still hit yeah, something. Hit exact you would point. have to yeah. shoot a smart missile that goes up and over the trees and yeah. it comes down. Come and down. Does the same thing. If we yeah. have any military people watching, I'm sure they'll correct us. About yeah. how accurate <laughs> their, their machinery is, but yeah. So so yeah, I agree on that one. Um, but we're talking pretty specific stuff. There's there. very small things yeah. like like but if you think me, about how the movement one thing phase that would works, change the whole game. Yeah, that's one small thing that changes. It would the change whole like army composition all of a, a lot. Yeah. would show up on the table every now and yeah. then. Yeah, he would because he wouldn't be one shot off. Yeah, right. Uh, you carnosaurs would show up oh, on yeah. the table again, mm-hmm. right? It would become it would well, become a thing. fantasy game. They've got again. to get rid of that. They've got to get rid of that rider and melt thing. Yeah, which is kind of silly because I mean, there's no ridden monsters ever and that's like such an iconic kind of yeah. part yeah. of Warhammer you know people yeah. flying around on dragons yeah I know and and nowadays you know uh, pretty much if you post any list onto onto a site to say give me feedback on this and you've got a single character riding a monster everyone will point out how suboptimal a choice that yeah. is right when it really shouldn't be yeah you know, it's like my dude's riding around on a freaking dragon. He's just gonna <laughs> wreck you. You know, and he's gone. Turn one. Yeah, um, gone. Turn one. Take him off. I think the other thing that might be nice to change would be fear, and I think fear should be a combat resolution modifier instead of a weapon skill modifier. Interesting. So if you have fear, it's minus one to your um, uh, you, you combat res. Okay. Okay. So the opponent automatically takes minus one if they have fear. If you're immune to psych doesn't affect you right oh, interesting and, and same with terror it'd be That's minus true. two yeah and maybe terror still causes the panic check yeah um, i kind of like the uh the image of the because weapon skill thing you know people are there like shaking so hard they can't hit crap with the it's yeah. true i like that too um it would be nice go either way it, the problem is that that so many people can get leadership nine yeah. um or leadership 10 re-rollable, re-rollable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even stuff that's on the flanks can very easily be high leadership. Yeah. Um, and so because there's no penalty, there's very rarely any leadership penalty, but, but I understand it. I mean, 
if if the as a game designer what i would what i would look to do with warhammer is say um what allows the most people to play with the most toys mm -hmm. right and i think that's what they tried to do with uh, well, that's 40k kind of what I'm doing with 40k and i'm right? not sure i'm i'm into oh, that well, would be fun no they just be able to pick anything from any book kind well, of thing. i love that i think it's fun I, well, I still want totally cool. I still want to have an army that's like uniquely kind of yeah, this kind of thing, yeah. you know. And I think people can do that, but I also think that because from what I understand of it, and I, I by no means have read the forty k <laughs> rules, yeah. but you just... if you do standard force organization, then you get to keep all of the normal rules, like you get the general's leadership mm -hmm. or a BSB, something like that. I, I'm not sure how forty k really works, yeah. but if you break they those standard if you stuff, break those standard or organizations then you lose those benefits mm. but you get to take the army you want to take right yeah. so to me that's what i think they should do if people want to play an all monstrous cav army who's to say that they can't yeah. who's to say some wackadoo in his castle isn't sitting around <laughs> breeding monstrous cavalry and decides to go out and play with them someday. or or a hugely mercenary you know yeah. army or whatever else i i love that idea it sounds um, kind of pretty open to power gaming well i mean no no worse than the game currently is <laughs> you really. think i mean having the built-in restrictions on your army kind of but it internal it, balance it, it stops really you fast. from picking one unit that's incredibly awesome and just maximizing well no right now i mean the way that i look at it is it's already in the rules that you can do this it's just that every tournament says no allies right yeah. if you read the allies rules it just you could absolutely do this anyway mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's just that every tournament says no allies so uh you know there's nothing to stop people from doing this other than what what their local meadow wants to play uh, which is why I, you know, I, I, that that actually wasn't where I was going with the uh, <laughs> try to get as many because right now, like even if you assume that that uh, you have to play a single army, and I do happen to agree with you, I like the idea of people being able to take whatever fun stuff they want. Mm. Um, there are, and, and Aaron will, is is a great one to tell you this at great length. Um, there there are many units that just don't see play in certain armies. Um, in, even in like even in fluffy armies half the time because uh, you so rarely get to actually use them on the on the battlefield yeah. right and and most of them most of them are, are monstrous mm -hmm. right? and and it's like well how do you have a beautiful centerpiece to your army if your monster can't survive right you know yeah, um, right. yeah monsters monsters need to be a little more survivable true yeah, yep. I think yeah no. Well, that, that kind of... Uh... Or just do a lot more damage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as a kind of... So everything we've mentioned is is pretty specific changes to the game. So yeah, consensus, I... we're hoping for just kind of... Yeah. Minor changes. 8.1. 8. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to just see... Really, if they didn't change any <laughs> of those things, I wouldn't be that bothered. Um, you know, if all they did was clarify some of the rules sure. and, and, yeah, and what have you, I would be fine with that. Almost just reincorporate. But who knows? They could change a lot and really just knock it out the park, and mm. it could be awesome. So, yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. who's to say? So, um, one of the things that came out um, in the last week or so, um, the, the Games Workshop released is a small edition army book, um, a small format army book for each of the 40k armies yeah i know and there's um, like a box like the, set that like have the them all things? in there yeah yeah, like, yeah a little box set oh, of about yeah. 10 of them i don't think it's all of them but it's most of them i think it's all, all the new have, ones all yeah. have an uh, eighth whatever or six, six edition. Was that? Yeah. 
Um, the box size is like three seventy five. Yeah, I don't think there for was all the for all the armies the, though. Yeah, yeah, for the core rule set, and I think 10, 10 army books. Yeah, That's so cool. it's good if you were if you don't have all the army books and you want them all. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think. Um, the nice thing is that small format is much more portable, obviously, if yeah. you're not a digital person. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that what that kind of brings me around to is there was a rumor last year um, that I believe came from one of the reliable sources on Wars here, mm-hmm. um, which said that there were going to be a um, small number of, of Warhammer books, Warhammer Army books for the ninth edition that we're going to have multiple armies in them. Oh, um, awesome. oh, yeah. You know, so so there was going to be like a... Like uh, two ways to play Empire or something. Well, like I, I think it was going to be actually like, here is the um, Old World book, and it's got Empire and Bretonians and Wood Elves in it, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it, it's the same armies, but it it's like... From um, wild, huh? Com, uh, compiled or abridged or you know made available for uh, there were various speculations about of, yeah there was speculation that was going to be all boiled down to two books yeah um, with forces you know, of order forces of destruction yeah, or, or destruction so um seeing those small format books makes me think i wonder um were they actually going to do small releases of you know multiple books or or were we really going to get small books? I, After just I getting this full books. set of like the hardback books made, I doubt that they're going like, to yeah, change it, anything it as drastically. It doesn't make sense from a business standpoint because they can make a lot more money selling individual books yeah, than I, selling I, one big compilation that can only be so much more money because if otherwise they'd price themselves out of their customers. I, I think and, the idea is actually the opposite where, where you get um, – like a condensed set of rules for each army uh-huh. and it's a cheaper price point so that you can, you know, you can get more people into the hobby. Uh-huh. So you don't have to fork out 50 bucks for the army book. Instead you get, you know, here's all the armies for, you know, 50 bucks. Without all the fluff, maybe with, with, <clears throat> I, who knows, it could even be with less of the units for all I know with games workshop, right. You know, yeah. um, or, you know, who knows? Um, but that that one is kind of stuck in my mind as being it'd be interesting to see what they do um, with that because maybe that's why you know we've got the rumors of of Bretonians next and then and then nothing until uh, ninth edition and there's still Skaven and Beastman books to do mm-hmm. uh, you know there could be there could be a multiple you know a book coming out that has multiples of those armies in it. Um, who knows? And Beastman merged. Mm. Ooh, I don't. I don't like. I, I don't like that at all. Skaven are so. I love the Skaven yeah, so much because they're, they're so unique. Warhammer. They're yeah. unique. They're Warhammer. They were like my introduction to the whole gaming world involved Skaven playing uh, Advanced Hero Quest. That mm. was awesome. It know, is a, so. a very unique GW thing. Yeah, not just borrowed from other fantasy. Yeah, so of. so they got to keep those guys. If they yeah. if they mess up Skaven, that that'll be very bad. I don't bad. think they will mess up Skaven because yeah. they have so much of that line has got great models for yeah. it. Yeah, They're, so they can, many. They can. I really think they could only improve it. Yeah. I don't think they could really break yeah. it because anything they did would. They still have that core of beautiful models and. Yeah. Speaking of beautiful models, um, Bretonians. So I'm hoping to see some amazing models when they release that yeah, army. Yeah. I mean, the, the, 
the army that they have right now is is i mean it's starting to see you're starting to feel the age of it mm-hmm. oh for sure but still some of those models especially when they're well painted exactly it's really the paint job that does it for bretonian it's army. a blank it's canvas like, yeah. that allows you to go to town you know mm-hmm. it's fantastic the pageantry of that yeah. army um i'm i'm looking forward to seeing new units in that army they really need them yeah. Um, I think something to give them, I, you know, obviously they're supposed to be the knight army, um, although they have, as they often point out, uh, worse knights than the empire do <laughs> yeah. these yeah. days. So hopefully they'll get to the one up armor save if that's what they really want um, or or something, you know, that, that makes different. them tougher, something different. One yeah. cavalry is this. It's, it's old hat yeah. yeah just give them something well that's the thing I, lo- I love their pegasus knights right because mm-hmm. well, yeah the losing the old one restriction on that's going to be awesome if they do that yeah um Put those in special and you could just have yeah three armies. units of peg knights that'd be awesome yeah. um i i think you know points reductions very here and there um i think i think they need to see maybe some peasant heroes mm-hmm. um mm. I hope the peasants peasantry. are kind of worthwhile. Yeah, I want peasantry That's... to kind of. I want like you've got to have like the pox ridden pe- yeah. peasants kind of. Yeah. Following along the. Yeah. Shining I, knights. I think there's so much character that could be in that army that's mm-hmm. kind of missing. Like they took out Guy Le Gros and uh, and Jules Le Jongleur. You know, I love mm. those guys a little. Yeah. It was basically uh, um, Friar Tuck, right? And, right. Um, you know, it would be great if they introduced something a bit more Robin Hoodish into the the whole thing. Into the you know? Yeah, I, I don't know what they'll do with it, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I love I, the Bretonians. I would love them to do knights on foot. You know. Yep. Yep. You know, sure. Yes, they like their horses, but I'm sure they can fight on foot too. So, yeah, they only they only have characters on foot at the moment. Yeah. You know, so, mm. and you have to have a special special magic item to be able to go on foot. I yeah, think. I think uh, it'd be really cool if they had something. Yeah, not quite great swordish, but maybe with kind of a cross between a great sword and a and a swordsman. So maybe they have shields or yeah. maces, or maybe something that like counts as a, yeah. oh yeah, maces or maces yeah, cool. flails, lances, or yeah. you know, <laughs> the good old Norman axes, right? Mm, they, yeah, they didn't yeah. have throwing axes? That'd be fun. Yeah, so yeah, kinds of cool stuff they could do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the last thing I want to do is just uh, mention um, a game entirely unrelated to Warhammer or uh, 40K. It's called Space Frontier. Um, this is our friend Aaron. You've heard us talking about him a, a couple of times. Um, he's uh, started a Kickstarter for Space Frontier, which mm-hmm. is um, a board game that he and his friend have designed. Um, I've played it a few times. Uh, it's a really fun game with uh, like kind of an empire building. It's like um, a hex map. It's a hex thing, map right? that you explore um, uh, as you go. Um, and you've got a whole pile of different ways to win, either through combat or through um, trading yeah. or, or... Diplomacy. Yeah, or, or, or um, capturing um, resources or whatever else. Um, and um, they're, they've got about two weeks left of their Kickstarter. So yeah. um, if you just go onto Kickstarter and search for Space Frontier, it should turn up. Yep. Um, it's a great game. It's only 39 bucks. They've got a couple of reviews now that were very positive. Yeah. Of, like kind of big board game. Big board game. Uh, board uh, game people. On, on YouTube yep. and, and so forth. <clears throat> so you can check those out and see how the game plays. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's only $39. So a bit of a shout out for Aaron there. I, I want to see him... Uh take the same mechanic and skin it into a fantasy game <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think it would work fantasy frontier yeah yeah there you go. yeah it could work really well
The tournament zone. So a pretty short tournament zone today. Um, first up, we're going to talk a little bit about Wet Coast GT, um, which is coming up in two weeks. So 2,500 point uh, five game GT in Vancouver, or else mm -hmm. I guess it's in the suburb of Vancouver. Um, this is a U.S. Masters qualifier for the Northwest region, yeah. um, and it's the first two-day one we've had since January. So, since Godicon, yeah. uh, no, um, Godicon wasn't a qualifier, so uh, Black Sheep Brawl, oh, okay. I think, which was in February. Yeah, yeah. So, and we only really started the qualifiers properly in March, so this is the first two-day qualifier. It's exciting. Cool. Um, so there's no real comp there. I think we talked a little bit about the compact before. Um, uh, they, did ask, they did add the sisters to the list of the comped out special characters. Yeah, they uh, did. Yeah, because the rules are so freaking obscure. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I asked. Avoids a lot of fighting. I asked, can you please clarify the rules? And they said, no, we're just going to ban them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I also asked Matt Ward about those, by the way. I sent an email to the GWFAQ, uh -huh. and then I emailed Matt Ward. Uh, like, can you please explain the rules for the Sisters of Twilight on the on an eagle? And I got nothing. So, of course, yeah. yeah. You know um, what might happen if Ninth is actually coming out? Maybe it's all answered in Ninth Edition. It's possible. I, I can't see how that could uh, be answered in Ninth yeah. because it's such a specific thing. Unless there's going to be a whole entry in the book of like well, two characters riding one. Uh, all of the all of the 40k rule books got a or army books I should say got an FAQ mm. uh, when the seventh edition came out, so it's possible so maybe that's what they'll fix go. it then. That's what we'll get. Okay, so um, yeah, that's that's in a couple of weeks. Ricky and I are heading up. Um, I'm bringing my wood elves. Yeah, and next weekend is actually the um, is a good time to practice. There's a tournament. The one down in Lacey. Yep, yep. The, the Warhammer uh, for Life tournament. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. the name. Um, the name. Down Olympic, mm -hmm. uh, Olympic cards and comics. Yeah. Comics it's and cards. Saturday. Yeah, the 21st, Solstice. Uh, they're doing the same comp as Wet Coast. Um, three game tournament. Three games for one day and $25 entry. Um, or $20 entry if you just enter. 25 gets you a tournament reroll. And it all goes to a good cause. Then... After that, the next week going to be Wet Coast for us. So, yeah, yep. Yeah. Good time to go practice your list. Yeah, well, I practiced it tonight against uh, against Tom's uh, Chaos Dwarfs. Evil Stunties. Yeah, um, pretty pretty happy, I think. I'm going to make a few tweaks. Um, I think I'm going to drop my ward answers. Um, the, man, the lack of strength four on the charge. <laughs> it's, it's really hurt them. Even at 75 points for the unit, it's just yeah. like a waste mm. of 75 points. Yeah, uh, not not great internal balance in that book. Well, we'll get to that like. when we we'll do get, our review. We'll get to it when we review it. But that's my that's yeah. the biggest thing that leaps out at me. I currently. I would agree. Having played I it with a bunch now, there's just some choices that are ob very obvious. Yeah, and there's some that are very obvious, and others that are very obvious to leave behind. Yeah, and then there's a few that are that are chop and change and maybe's. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, most competitive lists will, you know. There'll be a lot of crossover. Mm. There's definitely you'll definitely see some more creative kind of stuff, and yep, you know. But yep, anyway, okay. We'll talk about that when we review it. Yep, and I think um, the review episode hopefully will be the next one. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we'll start. we get around to that pretty soon. Yeah, we've been doing our prep work for it. So, 
Okay, so that's uh, that's wet coast. So how much is uh, does Peyton factor in in wet coast, or is it separate? almost not at all? Almost not at all. Yeah. It's just a completely separate category. Oh, yeah. And no, it's judged. It doesn't go towards best overall. No. The yeah. only thing that happens is if you do not have your army painted, you get an effectively negative twenty-five points. Okay. Yeah. Uh, minus five points for each game where you play with an unpainted army. Okay. Or any part of your army unpainted. But it's a three-color minimum right. and based. So, and and that's good. That actually works in my favor because otherwise I would right, not have so my new. models ready in time. You know, the stuff I want to take um, would just would be unpainted. So yeah. I'm 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 pretty much airbrushing and and putting in some base colors and and taking it from there. Yep. yep. Okay, so uh, that's where Coast um, Sparkle Party Four is going to be next month. Yeah, so, next month. 27th? Six weeks away? Yeah, about that. Yeah, 29.99 points. Yeah. Sparkle Party like it's 29.99. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I got... Um, I'll have to show you guys later. I got, a, I got um, a sketch from Nick. So what happened, the posters are delayed this time because the, the artist I had working on him um, had started something and then went on vacation and then... Um, on vacation in Berlin, got in a bike wreck and broke his collarbone. Oh. Whoops! And so couldn't finish the artwork. What um, sort of an excuse is that? I know, I know. What a what a chump, huh? Yeah. So we don't get another messed up looking giant like we did last time, which is what I was kind of hoping. For. <laughs> but I got Nick Jones, who's actually one of our players. Yeah, he's Sparkle a lizardman player. Um, he sent me his first uh, line drawing to tonight, and he's going to be getting it colored up um, and hopefully sent to me tomorrow. So we'll have the posters for that up um on the website soon and you'll start seeing him go up at the different game shops around town sweet um and that'll also mean that i'll get the packet put together the full packet and sent that out um hopefully i'll have the packet to everybody by the 27th so you have a full month with the packet and that'll have all the scenarios in there as well so and then tonight we were going to tell you the first scenario the first scenario is going to be um just like we played in the first um Sparkle party, so fortitude is back in. It's a um, bl modified blood and glory. It's a modified blood and glory. Um, so you uh, you can ignore it for the most part if you want to, because blood and glory, you know, if you break, it doesn't end the game automatically, um, and you only play for five extra points in the game. So the first person to break, the the other per the, if you break your opponent and you did it before they broke you, you get three points. Um, if, if you break them at all, you, yeah. you get two points. And if you're the first one to break them, you get three? Or is it the other way around? Um, I think it's the first to break gets three. Yeah. And then two. So the first person who breaks it basically automatically gets get the five. five. But the other, the other person can earn another two. Can still get two if they okay. end up breaking their opponent. <clears throat> okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So and that's going to be the scenario. So that that throws in um, people are going to have to start putting banners back in. Yep. But the thing is, because it's only twenty nine ninety nine, um, your fortitude is actually the same as it was at twenty five. Yeah. Uh, um, uh -huh. And you have more points to put those banners in. Okay. So since banners are usually ten points each now, it's pretty easy to throw in some fortitude throughout right. your army. Okay. Um, so that should be a little easier for people. Okay. Uh, cool. I was I started writing some really fun stuff like I did at the last Sparkle Party, and it, it was just becoming too complicated. I didn't want people to have to um, worry about 
larger armies and then trying to play complicated sure. scenarios. Yep, that makes sense. I think and with 3,000 giant... often seems pretty like a pretty big step up from 2,500. It is. It seems like yeah. a bigger game. Yeah. Well, technically, we were all playing about 2,700 and uh, thereabouts That's in the true, last one. Because we had the giant. Yeah. Yeah. But true. for some reason, the giant didn't seem as... Um, like it really swung the time. No, no, because they had very set goals, so you yeah. were just you knew what you were doing with your giant. It wasn't yeah. like controlling another part yeah. of the army. And yeah. both players had giants, so you could <clears throat> help each other with them. And when you get into these bigger games, people might be fielding units that they don't normally field because mm -hmm. they need the models, and so people might not know how to play them a lot. And so there's there's more thinking involved on those bigger games. Yeah, so I agree. it is going to be just a more straightforward kind of battle line with fortitude included for the victory points all so. right cool so that's uh, scenario number one mm -hmm. so sparkle party four also um part of the u.s masters qualifiers it's um one of the one day tournaments yeah um so just a reminder for anyone and hoping to qualify into the northwest um you have to have at least one one day and one two day event and we take your best um score from those using our formula um, which is basically says the higher ranked up you finish, the higher the number of points you're going to get. Um, and whoever is the top eight at the end of the year um, will go to the U.S. Masters, and then we have a final tournament for to decide the last two spots. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, event or tickets are on sale. Uh, event bright dot spdm dot the other way around spdm.eventbrite.com spdm right, okay. yeah is, yeah right. yep and that'll that'll take you right there and you can yeah. get some tickets the art of war multiple small units my favorite way to play <laughs> uh yeah so we want to talk about the msu style of army um because there, we talked about fast cav in the last episode, and and in some people's minds they're kind of synonymous, but they're really not. Um, so what does it what does it mean? I want to cover like what does it mean to play um, an MSU army? Why do you play it? Which armies um, do play it or can play it? Um, uh, how do you use it um, to best effect? And for those of you who hate it or see it often, how do you beat it? Right? These are the common questions that that, you, that we want to answer here today mm -hmm. okay so um let's define it first off um, obviously multiple small units um what does that actually mean um well i think that means that the entire army would need to be multiple small units instead of just having you know in a normal army or whatever normal <clears> really <throat> is you're probably going to have two to three big somewhat larger combat blocks and those are probably you know whether those are cav or whatever but they're mm -hmm. going to be bigger fightier units that have a little bit of staying power and when you do msu you spread your points out as evenly as possible across as many small units sure. usually at their minimum uh, unit size uh, to try and really spread that out so you won't have those two or three bigger units to me right? it really means expendability yeah, yeah every unit too. is expendable to some degree yeah um there's because no there's no particular unit that if you lose you've automatically lost the entire game yeah yeah um yeah everything is just kind of different degrees of expendable yep 
Yep. So the, w the way that I defined it, somebody asked me on a forum or something, and the, the way that I defined it there, I think, is, is um, you take the smallest unit you possibly can and you only add anything into it if there's a very specific purpose that it needs to, to fulfill. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, you take you take no upgrades, right? Unless you absolutely need them. So, mm -hmm. so um, I'll take an example. You take ten archers and ten glade guard in wood elf army because that's the smallest number you can take. Um, and then the only upgrade you give them uh, is a musician, um, because you need to be able to move them around in order to shoot at stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, you know, with the new book, they have magic arrows. You take whatever magic arrows they need to take to fulfill a specific purpose. Yeah. Right. Um, another it's very lean. Yeah. Very so lean. Another, another example is um, like with a cavalry unit. Um, let's say it's a, it's a fairly hard hitting cavalry unit, right? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a combat cavalry unit rather than, you know, like a fast cab unit. So the minimum you can usually take in those is five, but you may want to take six because uh, you know, the, if you're thinking about the smallest frontage you would be getting into combat against is five times 20, five mil. times 20 mil. Yeah. So 100 mil so that you can get all six, all six into all contact six of a cavalry unit. Yeah. In there. So and you're just you maximizing the, the damage output. Yeah. So yeah. That's a very exactly. good reason. For taking very specific reason. Guy. And you might want to give them a shield because, you know, because you're running them so lean, you want them to survive a little bit longer to get into combat. But again, you're keeping the points values very small. Mm-hmm. And so that's you, you actually touched on the reason why you have the points value small is that every unit is, is somewhat expendable. Right. Um, you, you don't want to throw your units away, but at the same time, if one of them dies, uh, your game's not over, right? You, sure. You, you, you keep playing. Mm -hmm. um, any other reasons that you have multiple small units? So um, first... Reasons to do it. Reasons to do it, yeah. Mm. So we can go into that. It's fun tactically to, to try. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's incredibly hard for your opponent to deal with. Yeah. When you're facing that many small units, you never truly know what's the best thing to do with your own units because often any move you try to make towards your opponent is going to leave yeah. uh, parts of your unit open to charges from different directions. Yeah. So it it's frustrating and hard to play against and easy to make mistakes against. Yeah. I think yep. I think um, for most people, our, our first reaction when we see a, a Death Star across the table from us is, oh, man, um, I got to build a bigger, nastier Death Star to beat mm. them. Mm -hmm. And um, that's usually not the case. If you if you don't give that Death Star anything viable to really eat, sure. or maybe it only kills one or two things in the whole game because that's all it can get to. Um, then that Death Star is a whole lot of wasted points. Right. And so if you're stuck playing against somebody with a huge Death Star or maybe two big, um, huge, hard-hitting combat units, maybe you, instead of trying to play that arms race with an army that can't compete against that, you try... Um, fainting a lot sure going in yeah. so we kind of talked away. about yeah. right we <laughs> talked about chaff at length now this yeah. is like kind of a whole army of chaff yeah basically yeah. you 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 know you have so much chaff at your disposal let's say in an average game a death star gets to declare five charges max throughout the whole game if each one of those charges is against some you know 50 to 100 point unit say a mm -hmm. 100 point unit then 
you know, its its potential for, points, for scoring points, points in the yeah. game is pretty yeah. low. Or if if both the units that you have in front of it are so cheap that you don't care if they flee and get caught, then you can just make that thing never get into combat. Yep. Just keep fleeing and fleeing, you know? Yeah. So there, there are a few other things, I think, that, that like specific tactics that MSU gives you that you can't get with any other army, really. Hmm. Um, I think one is... Uh, you know, obviously, if you're facing this is assuming you're not facing another MSU army, and mm-hmm. um, the chances are you're going to have a lot more deployments than mm-hmm. your your opponent has. So you could have laid out 500 points worth of crap by the time your opponent has put their entire army on the table. Yeah, and um, this is actually uh, so. So, like I said, Tom and I played earlier today, and we've played each other multiple times now with different armies, um, and and I think. Um, almost always I'm playing an MSU style. Sure. Um, and I think you play a fairly, um, I would call it a, like a mixed mixed arms. Um, it might be more on the Yeah, big, with the Beastmen, bigger... I play a couple hordes with a whole lot of chaff. Yep. And then, yeah, with the Chaos Dwarfs, it's kind of MMU combined arms yeah. force. Yeah. yeah. So, so by the time you've deployed your entire army, um, I still have... Right, the majority of my points mm-hmm. still to deploy, you know. So um, that allows me to suss out the battlefield sure. a lot better, right? So I can I can put down stuff that's highly mobile, sure. um, and then wait until I know where all of your cannons and and whatever else are before I put down um, the the way the ways that I have to deal with that. So right. so you're for, you're foregoing the chances of getting the first turn, but um, you're positioning yourself well to. Um, receive the you know and you can really kind of divide and conquer once you see your opponent's whole army maybe you see one unit i don't quite fancy fighting that but this unit is worth a lot of points and i can take it down if i deploy very heavily on this side you know yep you might have a bunch of crap facing one of your opponent's units and all of your hard-hitting stuff able to to crush one flank of your opponent's army yeah absolutely absolutely so, so that definitely gives you, you know, that's that's kind of deployment phase. This, uh, um, the deployment um, is uh, probably the hardest part of playing the MSU army, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to block yourself up and things like that with yep. so many units. You yeah, end up with it is it problems. is tough. Yeah. It is very tricky, and even even just getting all the little buggers on their movement trains. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you've got big blocks of fifty guys, yeah. you can just plunk it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, as you were saying, it is it is a frustrating army to play against if you're not. It's just very easy to make mistakes against. Do you have like playing an army like that? Well, it depends, of course, whose hands it in. An MSU army in the hands of a good player with a lot of experience playing that is probably one of the hardest things to play against because any mistake is going to be punished very harshly because so, they're going to have so much maneuverability advantage over you, you know. So so let, let, let's actually go into an, you know what, what some examples might be. So let, let, let's assume that the army, you know, th- there's obviously um, the, the armies that we associate with MSU um, tend to be elves, the more elves. more mobile armies like elves, but but very viably I've seen um, demons played, and they are not a mobile army, but they're mm-hmm. played with MSU. Um, but but the sorts of things that that the MSU army will punish you for is is things like um, there are there are so many opportunities within MSU to get multiple charges. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so you get uh, if your opponent um, if you're not um, how do we how do I say this. 
uh, I'm going to just use you and me, Tom. So when Tom charges um, something, uh, if he fails to make that charge or, um, you know, he he charged and there was some uh, barrier in the way um, to, uh, you know, that he thought was protecting him, the chances are I've got, you know, uh, two to three other units that are going to make a counter right. charge next turn. So if he doesn't wipe me out and get exactly. that overrun or whatever else. So it becomes a very, I have to make this charge. I have to wipe that unit out and move on. Otherwise, my unit is set there. In and, the middle, and it's going to get the battlefield hit. surrounded yeah. by by viable units that can charge it. Yeah. Whereas, if you think, if you contrast that with, you know, uh, a more combat block oriented army, um, it, it, there tends to be, oh, well, as long as I'm fighting over here, those I'm outside their charge range. Right. Often, you know? often it's just like, oh, well, I'll try and charge that unit. If I don't make it, then he can try and charge me. I could, you know, just move something in to redirect that one unit. Yep. But against an MSU, there's too many things to redirect. Yep. That's really the, the killer. Yeah. If you're playing a kind of standard army with comp with blocks plus redirectors, you there comes a point where, there comes yeah. a point where there's just too much stuff to redirect and your redirect, your redirectors are getting killed early on by, mm. by, by, by their fast what, kind of, yeah, whatever, actually by whatever, because, yeah, exactly. um, if you think about the different phases, let's let's kind of go through the phases actually and see how the MSU army plays through each phase, right? Obviously, in the movement phase, um, you have a lot of flexibility, but but in the movement f phase, if you're playing against an MSU army, go get a cup of tea, sit down, <laughs> get yeah. a book out. It's true, <laughs> especially in the first turn or second turn when all yeah. of the units are still on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, but the flip side is, like you were talking about earlier, Ricky, you get jammed up. You can, you can you get can jammed yourself up, up yeah. very easily, especially if you're really following the true movement rules. Um, yeah, which you know most people are flexible on, but if you're holding yourself to that standard, you're gonna find yourself going, "I didn't leave an inch there. I did not sure. leave myself an inch there." Yep. And so you're gonna realize, like, oh, I just messed it all up. So it is one of those things that you do have to practice with in the movement phase a lot. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, and in fact, I would I would uh, go one step further in in how you compose your army. Um, you generally want to have um, movement rates um, and and desires to move at different levels. So you want to have your super fast flying stuff. Um, you want to have some of that. You want to have or and or fast cavalry, mm -hmm. um, so that you know that's your maneuverable stuff that can get out of the way of the stuff that's not as maneuverable. Mm -hmm. um, then your small units that are rank and file. Um, you absolutely got to take musicians because swift reforming and being able to move is is an absolute must. Skirmishers, um, skirmishers, if you can get them, um, again they can they can you know move and reform and march as much as they want. Um, and then and then as an absolute kind of at the lowest level um, is the the big troops that can't easily reform. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and you're taking absolute smallest number of those. So I'm thinking like if you have monstrous infantry. Um, who may not be able to take, or monstrous beasts who can't take a musician, you're only ever going to want to have a unit of three, you know, uh, whatever the minimum number is. Yeah. Because those guys are, are going to actually get in the way of everything else that needs to move out of, out of the way. And you'll start to find them a bit of a liability if you can't move them. Yeah. Okay, so that's movement phase. So then the shooting phase, um, advantages, disadvantages of, of MSU. Well, I'd like to talk about the magic phase, though, for a second. Oh, sorry. One thing that's really important, for I think, it. for MSU units. <laughs> phase order? Or yeah. yeah. Well, well one, one of the things that's important for MSU armies, I think, is you don't want to get, don't fall into the level four um, scheme. Because a level four 
on their own is probably twice the points of all your, of of the unit that you're going to put it in. So it's almost better if you're playing Lore of Light, take a four level ones, take a bunch of level ones because mm -hmm. those are going to do you better in a in an MSU than army a true msu army than having one level four because that one level four gives your opponent one big high point thing that they can take out and you want to deny that so if you're truly playing msu you're not going to use that level four and you're not going to count on using big spells probably you're going to count on little buffs or or little spells or little fireballs or little things like that so mm -hmm. um try and keep that in mind when you're doing your comp because huh. um, you know like with your thing tonight you had your sisters which by themselves are probably msu on their own um, they're little on the high side yeah there's like and then, eight of them there's eight of them yeah. yeah so then you but but once you throw in that level four yep. that is no that's longer, a 600 point unit that's yeah. no longer yeah. an msu that gives him that gives tom one big thing to focus <laughs> on yeah and yeah. if he takes that down he might win the game yeah and so if you spread those points right. out to a bunch of smaller casters that yep. gives you oh maybe i can have a ruby ring on this one maybe i or probably wouldn't even do that yeah. or just one to spell scroll on one of them and maybe one level two yeah. something like that um try and think about how you can use your magic in that way so i think one of the one of the important things to think about magically with an msu army is the kind of buff debuff balance yeah. hexes versus mm -hmm. um, yep. augments so generally i use the kind of rule of thumb that if i think i'm gonna have many more units than my opponent then debuff spells are the best. Whereas if I'm going to have less units, then buffs are best. Because if you, if you think about it, an augment spell, mm -hmm. unless you're talking Lore of Light, um, which they have a lot of the bubbling spells, yeah. but an augment can generally be used on just one unit. Yeah. In an MSU army, you know, you're looking for multiple charges and lots yeah. of different units in combat. Buffing one small unit of 10 guys is not going to be, you know, the best thing for you. But, but debuff... debuff Shadow magic, if you debuff a unit and then have three of your guys charging it, then they're all benefiting yeah. from that spell. So laws like like shadow in particular, yeah. I think, are great for, for yep. MSU armies. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. I think yeah. shadow is an excellent choice. And the other, the other thing people might... Um, a lot of times we, we fall into the, the habit of taking a level four and a dispel scroll just because we feel we need it for defense. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, if I'm taking the level four for defense anyways, what am I going to, um, you know, give them as a lore anyways and be able to be offensive anyways. But in an MSU, you don't need to worry about a Dwellers Below destroying a huge Death Star. Sure. So you don't need that defense. Yeah. So as an MSU, I'm let go really of that. Let go that of that level four. Yeah. Embrace the the four level ones, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you become everything yeah. spread out, and it's hard to capture that one big spell. So you're like, oh, go yeah. ahead and cast that super destructive spell. It's hard to think of any unit. spell that yeah. you know is really the end of the world for an MSU army. Exactly. There's but, not really. But you could anything. then you can save your dice. Let one unit die to the, the damage spell. Save your dice to stop that thing that's going to debuff something. Mm -hmm. Or, you know. There, there, there's a couple of, of nasty spells. Like Chain Lightning is not fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. true. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but, but there's not too many, right? Because most of the big spells that people think about are really good at taking out a yeah. big unit. And most of them are kind of an, an anti-Death Star yeah. kind of safeguard in the game, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Um, I, I think there's a few, but there's not too many. And uh, um, I think that people are not used to, to, you're exactly right. I'm sitting here questioning myself now that, now that I'm listening to what you're saying about, you know, I do take the level four for defense. But then I think about even just the game we had tonight, Tom, um, how many times was it where it was either uh, irresistibly cast um, or, or, or you just didn't have enough dice anyway. Or I didn't have enough yeah. dice anyway, or it was uh, very obvious um, I was going to dispel sure. it no matter what. Right. You know, I think at one point I was even using my Sisters of the Thorn to dispel one, mm -hmm. of, your, one of your castings, you know, just because I'm like, oh, I've got the dice to spare. Yeah. And I, I am. Yeah. So I think, I think you're right. I think uh, I should rethink. Uh, you know, I, it's going to take me a while to rethink it. But, yeah. and then I think so it does, especially because with, with your army, um, being able to push through the big shadow spells can be pretty game-changing, I think. It can. When you do have those multiple um, Wild Rider units. Yeah, but if, can... you're, if you're talking about a unit of Wild Riders, um, like uh, the smallest possible, which is five, or even or six. six following his, yeah. does, his suggestion. Does, you know, does a Mind Razor really make that big of a difference if he's also hitting you with three other units at the same time? No, but I, with something like a wither, something like Withering and two units of Wild Riders yeah, hitting at once, you suddenly have the ability to just... What's the cast value on Withering? 13. Uh, 13, I think. That's yeah. easy for a level one. It, it, it's not that the level one can't reach it. It's, you're less likely it's to have that how, spell. How can yeah. it... You have to use one extra dice to ensure it's not dispelled, right? That's mm. the... But you could also... Because, because now you can take signatures for everything, right? Yeah. Aren't there three or four debuffs that are good signatures, like Lore of Heavens, Lore of, you know, so you can actually play into that. You can be like, I know I'm going to want this exact spell. I can mm -hmm. plan for having um, a debuff. Mm -hmm. I can plan for having whatever. Roll anyways. Yeah. If you don't get the spell that you want, you you know something that you can take. So. Well, the the really interesting part is I could just uh, take multiple units of Sisters of the Thorn and have Curse of Anra here. It's yeah, like, I'll true. curse you and curse you. Just go <laughs> zero magic, yeah. man. Curse you. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I think, Take a Wood Elf Blender Lord. I think, <laughs> I think with MSU, no you know, it, it, losing that high point caster mm. um, becomes a lot more viable and actually essential to keep them alive because otherwise they're just going to die right away. Yeah. Without a huge, um, resilient bunker, casters yeah. are a liability. And that's that's how I was playing it. But no, you're 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 right. I'm. I need to give that a try. I kind of need to. I'm stuck in that level four mentality because mm -hmm. the the previous the previous uh, version of my army was was pretty much um, not competitive without being able to cast those level four spells. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. having having that choice. But I think, um, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Do it. I, I will. Do it. Yeah. Um, okay. So so that's magic. Anything else we want to talk about in the magic phase? No. I don't think so. Okay. Not until we go to playing against. Playing against. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. So shooting phase then. Um, I think for me personally, the biggest advantage that the shooting phase gives you is target selection. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, if you have, you know, a big unit of archers, um, you have to shoot, you know, the, the rules of the game are the whole unit has to shoot at a single target. Yeah. Whereas if you've got lots of small units of archers, you're getting the same number of shots. Mm -hmm. You can position them in different ways so that they can cover, you know, more of the board. And you don't waste a bunch of excess wounds. But exactly. on the other hand, you don't get to pick up 40 dice all at once and be like, <laughs> Well, you still can if you, you decide, I'm going to shoot all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they all you need the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those dice buttons out there, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, that uh, the downside of it is that, you know, sometimes you do want to get that saturation on a single target. Mm -hmm. um, but now you have to move one of your units into place or two of your units at place or, you know, three of them are at short range, but one's at long range. And, and yeah. you know, you, you don't quite get that consistency. Yeah, it becomes pretty hard. This is the shooting phase is one where you're going to find what you did in the movement phase really sure. hurt you because you did yeah you had to move two things in front of that big death star right. so you could double flee and now they're giving that unit a cover save yeah exactly so kind of following on from what yeah. we're saying about bunching up yeah so yeah it's a um it, it becomes tough but yeah i think if you it does give you the flexibility to spread out your shots on a bunch of small things and you can still focus fire if you if you really practice your deployment. Mm -hmm. And when you focus fire, that's when you can really take down those things. You just so. need to have your shooting phase planned before you yeah. do your moving phase. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and what's pretty common to see is especially if you have um, multiple units of of the same type of of, of missile troops, mm -hmm. um, like you'll you'll see um, like a crescent. Yeah. Um, often where they're where they're spread out effectively in a line but but in a line in such a way that that whatever's at the focus of that crescent is at short range and mm -hmm. that's what they're trying to kill and then and then they move and and then again mm -hmm. focus on with the crescent um and the the disadvantage of that um you know the advantage we just talked about but the disadvantage is um sometimes they're a little close together um, it can mean panic tests. Um, it can it can mean uh, template weapons are more effective, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the advantages um, outweigh the disadvantages. So that brings that point about panic tests brings back to we we're talking about which armies can do the the, the MSU tactica. Yep. On the flip side, the armies that really can't do it, you've yeah. got to consider anything that relies heavily on a leadership bubble of a general BSB. Yeah. Um, yep. It really is not, not going to be played as an MSU army. For sure. And um, let, well, let's just go into that now. We don't have to wait till later. Um, so so I would absolutely say that, that some of the horde armies that, you know, are traditionally horde armies, uh, they're horde armies for a reason. Right. <laughs> you know, you need to be all together. You need to be all together. You need to have all that rank bonus. And, and like Skaven is the obvious one. Yeah. Um, I think even um, well, certainly the night goblins is uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when you don't Orcs take any general beast man. Now night goblins might be somewhat of an exception because you can do units of twenty of them and throw three fanatics in there. But then that technically is upgrading them to the point where they're not really MSU. Yep. So I really wouldn't. Yeah, I guess yeah. I wouldn't say you could do that with. You could probably do it with orcs. Um, Maybe I but... would say I would probably venture to say you could be fairly effective with Savage Orcs MSU. Yeah, it's... Um, because they're not taking the panic tests. They're they're immune to they're immune to the psych. Um, they can do buckets of damage. Mm -hmm. um, you can get the boar riders for them to be highly mobile. Um, you can take cheap cheap casters with them yeah you can only so, upgrade one unit to big ones yeah so you want to make I'm, it a big unit no you, <laughs> you wouldn't even take one unit of big ones no just don't get anyone just take any at yeah. all yeah and they can do a shooting they can do a lot of good shooting too yeah. so. so it's doable with it's that doable. army book yeah i think i think it is doable but it would be it would be something you'd have to work to master because mm. your animosity with that many units on the table <laughs> 
you're going to have a lot of two or three animosities, maybe even four or five every turn. And that's going to really, really hurt you because MSU, you need to be in control of the whole game, both your opponent and yourself. Which is what Tom was alluding to. And if, you know, you're running off because you fail animosity or you fail frenzy, probably not going to work. Right. So anyways, um, so yeah, I think orcs and goblins is it, it's possible, but but yeah. tricky. Yeah. So your example of of demons is a kind of slow infantry. What you think of as a combat mm-hmm. army that works with MSU, it's purely because of the unbreakable. Yeah, the unbreakable. Yeah. yeah, it's it's because of unbreakable, and what that means is that pretty much any unit in the game in the army is uh, a threat in combat sure yeah right like yeah every unit has to be killed to a man yeah. so yeah. you know you have these small units who can actually hang in for a couple of rounds but yeah they, we- they also have the added benefit of only their core is locked into the infantry everything else in their book special and mm. rare yeah, a lot and of- characters all have the ability to be low point high damage output highly mobile units and so it's pretty easy to do that with that army, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, I mean, I think the stuff that people like to take um, tend to be a bit more point heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, they tend to take uh, the juggernauts and the and the uh, the rot flies. Uh, what do they mm-hmm. call the plague yeah. plague, plague drones? drones. Um, but I mean, even those guys, you can still do um, MSU style. Yeah. Um, uh, um, beasts of Nurgle, one, you know, one yeah, beast of uh, Nurgle. <laughs> beasts of Nurgle are, are great in any number. Yeah, sure. Um, um, I think uh, ogres can be done MSU. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really, really effective. effective. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, actually, would, I've seen I'm it done. Definitely MMU ogres, but many medium units, but no, pure no. MSU, three-man ogre units. Yeah, yeah. very effective. They have guts. the leadership for it, right? Uh, well, because their, their leader could be separate. Um, if he's... Or he could be bouncing around in different units if you start taking damage. Well, well so. I mean, let's not talk about uh, you, you said pure MSU, but you know, if we talk about what I was saying earlier, um, it's the smallest number plus whatever you need for a specific purpose. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Um, and I would say with ogres, that's generally. I I think that you could have a lot of three three ogre units and and maybe you know one six ogre unit um, or you know small. I don't know. I've never put it together, I but I think it's viable. But I, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think ogres <laughs> are so strong. We need to do strong. some more playtesting on that. But they just, they're initiative too, and I think a three-man unit is always pretty much just going to die before it gets to do much back. Mm-hmm. Uh, only if it's charging by itself. And this is something and we'll get on to when we get on to, you have the, get on to access, the combat. Yeah, access to Noblars, which I think most people wouldn't think of, but that's the perfect chap. Two and a half points each, 10-man unit of Noblars. Yeah, that's a and it's in core. In core. Yeah, mm-hmm. twenty five point redirector. I mean, right you there. have so much you could just that doesn't cause panic sh- tests. Sh- and that's where you set up to get those multiple charges with yeah. two ogre units, one on each flank. With, yeah. you know, I mean, there's definitely bonuses to to having extra ogres in the units and, sure. and so forth. Yeah. But this is a, just a, a totally different play style. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you could do them too wide. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, too deep. Yeah. yeah, or, or three deep. That would be do, interesting. You could do, yeah, two by two. Run them all in files. Yeah, one one wide and three deep. And lead belchers. I mean, Boom. Lead belchers are what two minimum, or are they a one minimum? Uh, I'm not sure. I know Mornfang are two minimum. Mornfang are two. So yeah, and yeah. two Mornfang can work. Oh, obviously. two, two so. Mornfang. Yeah. yeah, two Mornfang is all you need. I I think you could definitely do it. I mean, you'd have to practice with. You'd have to put the list list 
building. Um, I think I think it's harder to do with uh, um, undead. Uh, yeah, I don't think you would. Be, yeah, I'm not even sure you could really even do it. No. Um, because of the restrictions with being, you know, with your general and, yeah. and all of that. Having sort of to stuff. have a vampire, I, I just don't. And, and the same, same with and Tomb the same King. with Tomb Kings, yeah. yeah, yeah. MSU dwarfs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dwarfs Very, I think that could be pretty. Actually, Especially I mean, if, we, if we're saying like I would take one unit of at least twenty guys, I think that's nope. needed. You nope. don't think? I don't think you. Need, I don't nope. think you need to do. I it. could see definitely. I think, you, like, I think you need to let go. <laughs> let go, Tom. Embrace MSU. You... <laughs> Embrace it. I would think. I would think true MSU dwarfs could win. I, I think so. I think they, can. they have a yeah. high base leadership. I mean, you can like, do a lot of small units. Yeah, but you could multiples yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> multiple, right, that's what I'm saying. I would take an army that Perhaps. had multiple <laughs> small units in it, but plus one big massive killy. Oh uh, <laughs> no, that's that's. I, I, I you know, I think we got to get Tom to play my Wood Elf Army. I'm know? sure I would enjoy it. You know, it, it just, just it is very different. I would like to try. Um, obviously, uh, all three Elf Armies. All three Elves. All three Elves. And Lizardmen. Yeah. Lizardmen do Lizard fantastic. Lizardmen can excel at it. Yeah, yeah. 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 The Skink Cloud skink is a very, cloud. very common. In fact, I think those four, the, the three Elves and the Lizardmen are probably your prime candidates for MSU. And the Demons. Uh, and uh, demons. The demons, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think warriors can do it, but I think um, there's uh, yeah, so they can very effectively. Well, yeah, because you can build a whole warriors unit of chariots, so that is by definition a, yeah. an MSU army, <laughs> yeah, and true. that can be an incredibly powerful army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard. Yeah, people like taking the cheese so much with those guys that uh, you don't see it as often. Well, old chariot is pretty cheesy still. Yeah, I would consider that pretty cheesy. I would consider it pretty <laughs> it'd cheesy. be a it'd be a fun tactical well, challenge you know, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, like they're so unmaneuverable and compared to yeah. you know, other six troops. chariots and core, and then just small units like th units of three blood crushes. Yeah. Two units of three blood crushes. Uh, skull crushers? Skull crushes, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so so not every army can do it. Um, but but uh, and some armies lend themselves to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting the ones that lend themselves to it tend to be uh, more mobile, high leadership, yep. um, more, you know, eat, uh, elite style armies where each yeah. each member in the unit can actually do something significant by themselves. You're not relying on weight of numbers or... Mm -hmm. um, I think a high initiative really helps as well because if you're going to be hitting stuff with small unit after small unit, you want them to like first. actually yeah. do their damage before they just evaporate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, Like MSU true. Witch Elves is just terrifying because they're just, <laughs> just getting hit by 10 Witch Elves over and over again with each of them like dishing Ugh. out, each unit dishing out like 25 attacks or something. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so actually, let's just roll right into the combat phase then. Okay. Um, so I, I think the the thing that defines uh, MSU combat for me is the m multiple charge. Yeah. Um, right. So the fact is, you've just got so many units that can charge um, that that you're going to be able to get multiple charges way more frequently than you would with any other type of army. Mm -hmm. Um, and and the other side of that coin is you have to charge with multiple units because you don't have the heavy hitting power of you know all that mm -hmm. uh, sure. extra all those extra ranks or those combat monster characters or whatever else you get. In. Although when you do have something with like the damage output of witch elves and you have a lot of units of them, there's something to be said for just you know tenderizing units up with a charge at a time of witch elves and then 
eventually pick your your multi charge to finish a unit off. Yeah, that's a pretty viable yes. tactic. Um, uh, <laughs> so dirty. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, uh, well, with witch elves, maybe it's dirty, but uh, you know, I think about my eagles. Um, like a lot of times, I've thrown an eagle in front of a of a unit. And just picked off a couple of wounds, knowing I'm going to die, mm-hmm. right? So I throw the eagle in front of the character in the unit and try and pick a few wounds off that. And then do it again with another small unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time they've made it all the way across the board, you know, I've, I've chipped off 25 to 30% of the strength of that unit. They've lost some of their static combat res. And then I've got three charges on them, you know, one mm-hmm. in the front and two in each flank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you, you've not only reduced the strength significantly, um, but you've put them in a position where you want them to be in mm-hmm. um, by by directing those combats. Um, the downside, of course, is <clears throat> that your units do not have much in the way of of static combat resolution themselves. Yeah, you know it's unusual for you to get a rank bonus <laughs> um, of any sort. If yeah. you're really unlucky with your dice, you probably don't want to do MSU. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you one whiff, whiff is... yeah one yeah. one one whiffed round of combat and. Uh, you can lose three or four units at once, and that becomes the equivalent of, Sorry. of one big unit. So, yeah, yeah, that that's definitely true. Um, and I think um, one of the reasons that uh, elves and demons um, are definitely the ones you see playing MSU more often mm-hmm. uh, are because they can um, they can survive those whiffs. Um, the elves, because of always strikes first, the demons just because they're unbreakable. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, I think the other thing about the the combat phase is um, there's uh, and it's it's kind of not really the combat phase it's more the movement phase but how you position your other units um, predicting the outcome of the combats that you're in um, really affects how well you're going to do in the game mm-hmm. um, and this is what uh, Tom was saying earlier about you know how in the hands of a good player. And the army can be absolutely lethal. Mm-hmm. It's because you know they they have seen that they're going to um, win this combat, but not win it to eliminate the unit entirely. So there's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be a, a break, and then they've positioned you know a fast moving unit just off to the side, waiting for that break to happen. And then on the next turn, they've got double charges on this already you know broken unit, so that they're going to wipe them out. You know stuff like that. Um, being able to see the flow of the battlefield, mm-hmm. um, I think. I, I, and I'm. I'll put my hand up and say, um, I've had glimpses of the of that. Um, <laughs> I don't consider myself an expert uh-huh. at it, but but I've had those aha moments where like, like, oh, oh, yeah, something really sweet's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did I just do that? Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Go me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> So, so we kind of talked about um, a little bit about how to play it and how it plays through the different phases. We talked about which armies can uh, can play it. Um, let's talk a little bit about how to beat it. Mm. You know, it's uh, let's assume you're not playing an MSU army because MSU on MSU. Say, so I have a kind of regular army against an MSU. Yeah. Number yeah. one, hope the person I'm playing is not very good. <laughs> uh, take a corner. Yeah. You, what you want to do, because the yeah. MSUs usually try to surround you. That's one thing. So if you see that you're going to be playing an MSU, take a corner. That uh, that limits exactly you to it. two front two frontages. For me, it's all about, you know, as the MSU player, you're looking to get, you know, to pull units out of position and hit them in multiple flanks. 
playing against the MSU, you're just looking to not allow that to happen. Yeah, and being yes. in a corner is definitely one good yeah. way. Well, uh, um, let's let's be um, let's be a little wider than that and say take take one flank. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, because yeah, we're not talking about castling, castling right up in a corner. Up in corner. You, you don't. You don't need to do that but, to be winning. And yeah, it's not even necessarily like I don't know if like when I play an MSU army, I'm looking for yeah one flank of my army to be pushed up against something that could be the table edge or like today in our game it was that impassable terrain on the hill. Yep. I'm looking for that to anchor one side, and then my killiest, most badass thing that hopefully your stuff is just going to bounce off of is going to be holding down the other flank for me that's the kadai destroyer yeah because i know that a, a lot of small units are going to hit the kadai destroyer and just burn up on him before even yeah before they even, before do, even any, doing do any, any damage. damage so he'll always anchor one flank and then the, the rest has to be pinned up against something yep. and just the way i will move my units as always to try and minimize the number of faces yeah that's um, that's the key exposed it's yeah. to try and if if you're going against MSU, it's really important to hold your line together. Yeah. If you if you start letting them pull you out, pull units out, and then you're going to you're going to get surrounded and it's going to hurt. And yep. don't fall for the pursue. If they charge in with one little yeah. tiny unit, yeah. Don't change. Don't chase after. Don't it. chase after it because that's what they're trying to get you to do. Yep. So whenever that unit charges in. And you destroy all but one of them, and it runs away. You let them go because it's, it's painful not... to do because it's hard to get points yeah. out of the MSU yeah. army. But yeah. you sometimes you gotta let them go. You just gotta let it yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. which and, is and, go on. And, and so along those lines, you, you need to be careful if you've got frenzied troops. Mm -hmm. um, you either need to be, uh, you know, keeping those guys away from the front lines to start with, mm -hmm. or you need to be okay with just throwing them out there and letting them, um, you know, letting them go, and then and then. Uh, evening out your line once they've gone sort or of thing. keep them in the bubble yeah or keep them in the bubble but it doesn't matter about the bubble if they get charged and Char no and then, then they, they have to, have to yeah, pursue yeah. so mm -hmm. um sorry tom you were gonna say i that. was gonna say so something i've known like for a lot of people this is not really something you can do anything about but what i've noticed is i tend to be much more successful against msu armies when i have the kind of ranged advantage over them when it's a case of you know, like your Wood Elves, MSU, plus obviously very shooty, and say I'm playing with Beastmen or something that you're going to have the ranged advantage over, it's a hard game to win because by definition you have to go towards that army mm -hmm. and are always, you know, maintaining a perfectly formed battle line while going forward and trying to pick targets to charge and get points out of very hard. is incredibly hard. Whereas when... I can force the pace of the game by making the MSU army come towards me. Not only are you able to, you know, score a lot of kills with the shooting first, but you you force them to, um, you know, split their army in different ways and often create nicer targets to to finally charge and kill. Yeah, yeah which so is why, why the war machines are exactly are a good addition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also why you know, again, on the flip side, as an MSU player. Um, going after those those and anything that can take out a, a unit in a single go, um, you, you have to take that take that Mag down McCannon, as quickly. Magma cannon, example. death shrieker, 
you know, um, those were the two ones that were influencing today. Yeah. Cannons, you're not so worried about, right? You're really you know, not regular cannon. What are they going to do? Kill two yeah. guys? But yeah. like the the Hurricane organ gun, you know, mm-hmm. that can do a lot of damage in one go. That's that's your prime targets. Yeah. Um, so sure. and it does just, it just makes life hard for the MSU player when they're forced to come at you with so many units and while trying to look for those multiple charges and set everything up. You can force mistakes from the from yep. the MSU player, assuming you're not playing a, a US master or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, other things. Uh, uh, so that's that's kind of um, positional play to try and beat sure. it. Sure. Um, and you talked a little bit about how shooting can can you know force them to come to you. Um, I think also you know if you're lacking on the shooting side, um, can you make up for it in the magic phase? Sure. Um, and I think. Um, I think you kind of can. Um, it depends on, you know, sometimes you're going to have to make them take out your wizard. Otherwise, they're going to lose a lot of their stuff. Right. right? Especially if you've got, um, you know, Fireball is a horrible spell. Exactly. Just a different uh, type yeah. of spell becomes very important against MSU armies. Things like yeah, magic, magic missiles, missiles, fireballs that, you you know, are normally just something you'll shoot at chaff and, you know, shoot if you have one dice yeah. left, whatever. Yeah, don't they become very them. important spells all of a sudden. Yeah. Not only for, you know, early game zapping units off, but for late game finishing off that unit that you got points. down to one man yeah. and you need to get the points out of it. A fireball... And that situation is really yeah. can be a game changer. Yeah, and you have to get the points. You have exactly. to wipe them out to that the That is the hu- right? one of the hard things. Again, going back to our game today. That was a great example. Which yeah, it was is why a great we're talking example. Yeah, I, you know, I killed off what I perceived to be his big units, the, the sisters with the level four in, yep. some wild rider units, um, and figured I was really, really up on the points there. Yep. Not noticing that there was a lot of units left on the table like a lot of the archer units and stuff that were just down to three or four guys. Yep. Um, and, you know, all of those units turn out to be pretty similar pretty similar points costs. Yeah. And there was a lot of them left on the table with, with only a few guys left. So. Yeah, so once we added it all up, it was all within just uh, 150 points sure. or something like that. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I, I thought you were going to mention to, about the game today was, uh, you know, he fired a um, Death Shrieker at a unit of archers, and got it down to five men, I think, or four men. Mm-hmm. And then you fired another one, and and it this was in a sub- subsequent turn, and it actually scattered on top of that same unit and took out all but one guy. <laughs> right. And then that one guy was left around there for two turns, and he's a little musician running around. And and in the end, I think you took another yeah, death shrieker, death shrieker right, right at him, dude. yeah, <laughs> just to make sure you got those just points. Them, and yeah. and if you hadn't. Uh, it would have been a you know a, like pretty much zero sum game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that was a really lucky pot shot. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was funny. Yeah, so um, very much you know um, you you gotta look for those opportunities to to either um, wipe out this wipe out the unit entirely or make it run off the board. Yeah. Um, and this is why it's hard for the opponent whenever you do give that opportunity and you you are going to be pursuing for them not to pursue sure. because if you don't pursue, I'm going to rally and exactly. I'm going to go hide behind this rock. Yeah, yeah. that's something right? you'll see a lot. You know, you get a unit down to two men, it's going to turn around, it's going to walk back towards yeah. their side of the table yeah. and you'll never see that unit again for the rest of the game. So, yeah, and all of a sudden you'll be left with closer stuff that looks like a bigger threat but sometimes it can be worth 
focusing a little shooting on those two men who are running away back towards the other side of the table. Yeah, there's nothing that's a big threat in the army, right? right? It is it is all a series of small threats that just just kind of paper cuts um, you to death, right? Right. Um, you know, and and uh, I think a lot of the time, and this is one of the things if you're playing against the army, you have to look out for is you know they're they're going to chip away and chip away and chip away like in the shooting phase or in the combat phase whatever way they've constructed their army um and before you know it you're down to half strength in in whatever your combat block is and mm -hmm. or or wor worse than that you know um before you know it, it you're not able to take a lookout sir roll because they've just you know in yeah. three turns they've chipped everything away and you have to move that your character out of the unit or something like that um, There's a lot of things to remember playing with an MSU army. Yeah. Forget one of them. You know, you've left yeah. a character somewhere they can be sniped off. Yeah. The good news is that it's it's a hard army to play well. Mm -hmm. um, so um, the bad news is that if you see someone taking one, the chances are that they, that they know how <laughs> to play it. it. <laughs> yeah. So mm. so you got to be careful. Um, and uh, and I think uh, you know one of the things. I think you mentioned it earlier, uh, Ricky. Is you know give up those those big number six spells because um, yeah, the chances are you don't need them. And every lore has as a magic missile in it. Take those. Yeah. Take those. I think every lore has one. Um, it has something to to yeah. Yeah, because those number sixes that you know might kill fifty percent of a Death Star are what? gonna do nothing mm -hmm. to yeah. to a little one when a magic missile could actually take out the whole unit sure so because you know you don't want to force just tests you want to force damage yeah and good good case in point again today uh you you cast a final trans on my unit of wild riders and uh one guy died yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, oh. oh no! Doesn't yeah. doesn't do much. Doesn't yeah. do no. much. Yeah. And they're all immune to psychology, so they don't care. Yeah, yeah stuff like fireball. Fireball would have would magic help. missiles good. that can be boosted. Yeah. yeah, fireball is is uh, to me the the I hate fireball. I hate seeing fireball. And mm -hmm. um, on ring. on a wizard <laughs> ruby ring, I'm not so worried about you because can it, be, it can you can't be boost D6 it. Yeah, it, so. yeah. Um, but but the boosted versions, the two d six version, and then there's a few other spells that do two d six hits. Seeing two d six hits, um, you know, if you're playing MSU, um, generally uh, those are the ones you want to be dispelling. Yeah, take right. vindictive glare if you roll it for goblins. Yeah, three d six strength three. That's gonna yeah. take off a big chunk of. Yeah, the strength doesn't matter because yeah. uh, it doesn't matter too much because it, the chances of you having anything other than tough three or tough four are very very slim. Pretty slim. Yeah. Right? So yeah, come back to army comp one note you don't want to it's just like where you got to let go of the level four when you do msu you probably will have to let go with few exceptions like the warriors with their chariots you're gonna have to let go of the big monsters yep um because they're almost always going to be double the points of one of your or you know of one of your small units that are trash and can be thrown away and monsters draw fire so all of a sudden if you put down something that yeah the cannonball can take out in one shot the cannonball is going to take it out in one shot. Yeah. But if you put down instead two small units that the cannonball can only kill one, one or two models yeah. per turn, then all of a sudden you've neutralized that, that damage potential. So don't fall into the, the you know, the taking big monsters. Oh, yeah, but it's only 120 points. Yeah, but it can still die Very super quickly. easy. Yep. So you got to think about you know, how you can deny that. Yeah. Some of the things that I look at, um, 
we're good to talk about army composition. Um, some of the things that I look at are what's the total number of wounds on the unit, right? Um, so I'll uh, take an example, the uh, Warhawk Riders, mm -hmm. right? Warhawk Riders are 135 points for, um, three. for three models. Um, that is nine wounds, a toughness four, right? And they have to do three wounds before one of those models comes off. That is pretty good value for points. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right? I think that's a great unit. Yeah. Uh, you know, you compare that to um, to the Glade Guard. Um, Glade Guard, um, if I take them with uh, True Flight Arrows and a Musician, which is kind of my standard build for them at the moment, that's 160 points for 10 guys. Um, they're only tough three. Uh, no save. No save. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they both have their place in the army but i look at that and i think um you know the, your your glade guard are getting a 10 shots out right that's why they have a specific place in the army yeah um i look at that and i think there's definitely a spot for the warhawk riders one second Oops. i wanted to sneeze um but if i compare that with dryads right dryads are tough for you get 10 wounds 110 points they're they're within 20 points of each other mm -hmm. Um, Dryads can't move for crap. They can't move for crap. You know, obviously Warhawk Riders are flying. Um, skirmishing. Skirmishing. You know, they're they harder to hit. Shots too. Yeah, they've got they've got the missile weapons. They've got, you know, all these extra special rules. And I look at that and I say, okay, um, points for points, uh, you know, the Warhawk Riders are strictly better. Um, so you kind of have to look across that and be and be you have to be fairly gung-ho about saying, I'm not taking this unit. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got these wonderfully painted ones, but I'm still not taking them, right? Um, and then and then when it comes to adding models to the unit or adding upgrades, it's like, start with them naked, play with them naked, um, yeah. and then and then see, see do I need to add something onto it, yeah. right? Um, and that's, you know, that's about the best advice I can give when it comes to, to try and to put your, put your army list together. What about characters in an MSU army? Uh, Would you say by yeah. definition, if you include a lot of characters, then it's not MSU anymore? Uh, you would probably never take lords. Um, what if I made a dark elf army that was like 10 masters on cold ones running around as their own little individual that units? Would, that would work. That yeah. would work. If you're doing, um, you don't want to do... See, that would be pretty nasty because then they could all join together into one big unit. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just got a death star. You're like, oh, end of game. I've, Did I've, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's pretty nasty. But Thank, um, Thankfully, they're 75 points apiece. So, so it still turns into a pretty good unit, though. Yeah. I think you get a uh, one-up armor on them. Yeah, um, but but by the time you get to that, they're sort like hundred points each with yeah. a one-up armor yeah. and a yeah. great weapon. Yeah. So I think I think characters broken. Um, keep in mind that once you put a character into a unit that unit becomes a target. So if you do want to take characters, they need to have such a benefit to the to your army in in general mm -hmm. that they're worth becoming a target. What if what if creating the target is their point? You then know, that's you fine. create a target that draws fire while yeah. you slip in a load of other stuff around the side and which is kind of which is kind of the point of the the sisters of yeah. the thorn unit, right? I like them for that purpose. Um, they got a ward save. They've so. got a ward save which and and so does the wizard, you know, how in the build that I take her. So the, basically there's only a 50/50 chance you can do a wound on any model in that unit. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty yeah. sturdy So they're going to draw the fire meanwhile the wild riders have made their way all the way up the table. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the archers are, are you yeah. know, sitting there picking things off. If people are targeting that unit, I'm generally pretty happy because they're fairly sturdy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, but you're right. You know, the character builds, I, I, I go like slimmest character builds you possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, I find that a BSB is usually worth it. Um, because getting that reroll yeah. takes you from with with assuming leadership eight or the you know leadership eight um, having the reroll you know goes from like a thirty percent chance of failure down to like a sure six but you or end up having to be quite selective about what part of your army that BSB needs to be with because there's true. so many units that can't cover everyone yeah so what but, you do and with, they're usually cheap that's the nice thing yeah BSBs are usually a fairly cheap character option yep so. and you yep. keep them back with the archers. Yes, kind I do. Because you have wild riders, obviously, don't really need babysitting because no. they have the frenzy. So you yep. keep it with the units that are at risk of failing. Yeah, yeah. those are the Random ones that are going to get tests, shot at yeah. and they're going to have to take panic tests. And they're, right. they're also one pip lower leadership being sure. core. Um, and and uh, they're also the ones that most often need to swift reform and, and then move mm -hmm. out of the way. And because or, you're gonna because you're gonna keep them back, you can use a pretty slim BSB build without the ward yeah. save and everything. Yep. Yeah, and exactly. if you line up yeah. your fleas right, you'll end up be you'll be fleeing into that bubble. So yep. eventually, you'll be able to use mm -hmm. that reroll in the bubble if you need. Yep, to. absolutely do. So. Um, and you know, with having the musician, that's plus one pip. But whenever you're trying yeah. to re, uh, but, reform you know, after again, a flea, keep him cheap. Pay for just the basic upgrade, keep them naked. You know, the basic BSB. Yep. So um, I run them with just one item, which is the Hail of Doom. Hail of Doom arrow. Which is always worth it, pretty it much. pays for itself always every game. It. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and it's, again, it's a very specific purpose, purpose to having yep. having that, uh, that in there. Right, because you can just wipe a whole unit a lot yeah, of the time. And, yeah, absolutely yeah. can. It's yeah. like having an extra unit of, of uh, archers for a turn. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, I think, I think, you know, all of it's just like your units, right? All of your characters have to have, have, a, purpose. To have a purpose. You know, as Ricky was saying earlier, if they're all, you know, level one light mages and you've got four of them, well, that's because you want to have a really great uh, banishment, right? Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and it spreads it out. Spreads it out. Yeah. And right. So not to like generalize too much, but the general, general theory in list building is you have your level four and then you have some supporting wizard level one with a scroll maybe. Yep. But in an MSU army that, you know, you can trim that down. You can trim to... that down. I like I literally have built a list where I had um the minimum one hero level character. Which is a, uh, a level two or something. No, level. no no wizard at oh, all. Oh, that's just the a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I and uh it was purely so that I could um you know, you can. A lot of armies have um, optional ways to get uh, spellcasters, right? So there's a bunch of armies have units that are also spellcasters. Mm -hmm. um, but if I didn't have that option, I'd probably take yeah, level two, mm -hmm. or, um, um, something that gives me a little bit of magic, but but then allows me to put all my points into small units, right? Yeah. And then I've got I've got that you know float like a butterfly, sting like a bee kind <laughs> of uh, mentality with the, with the rest of the army. Okay. Uh, wow, that's been a long segment. Is there uh, anything else we want to talk about MSU? Try it. You should try it. Yeah, just try it. I'm going to do dwarfs. You do, MSU dwarfs. You do need more models, typically. Um, yeah, you'll find that you do need a lot more. Um, and, but, uh, and more importantly, you need more, more movement, movement trays. <laughs> yeah, movement trays. Um, 
But uh, when it, you're first trying MSU, you're going to need a very patient opponent who will. There's that, and you're going to lose your first five games, um, you know, yeah. or thereabouts, right? You're going to lose a whole bunch of games because you're like, oh, yeah, I keep forgetting that mm -hmm. I can win combat. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> um, <laughs> like so, oh, yeah, combat. I forgot yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. 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 So, the so. Combat phase might be your weakest phase. Yeah. 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 If, there's, if there's only. Um, two things to take away from this. It is the deployment phase is the most important part of the game for MSU, um, way more than it is for other armies, I think. Um, and secondly, that that your combat phase, um, you, you got to do combo charges. Sure. So I think we ended our, um, our Death Star analysis by picking out what we thought the scariest overall Death Star is. Which we so think was the gut star. We picked the gut star. Yeah. So, what if you had to pick your scariest MSU army to come up against? Um, uh, what kind of build, just in general? Uh, you mean which army? Yeah, which army and what kind of build within that army? For me, yeah. it's got to be the the kind of fast cav supported by witch elf, dark elf army with lots and lots throwers. of dark riders shooting their repeater bolt throwers. And then small. They're, yeah, they've got the repeater crossbows and they've got repeater repeat crossbows. But oh, they've got yeah. bolt throwers. Yeah, yeah, have some. Warlocks, yeah, yeah, lots of warlocks and then units of you know, seven seven witch elves or something. I think they have to have minimum. 10, Are they minimum right? ten. Minimum 10, All right, yeah. then ten. Yeah. 10 to 14 witch elves. That's pretty scary to me. Although the wood elves, I gotta say too, are pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. sturdy. Yeah. Um, I would. Uh, yeah, I would be terrified from the dark elf with the dark. The elf. damage output is it, just it, obscene. It is, but um, I'm also scared of lizardmen. Yeah, the, that's true. Yeah. Like skink clouds, there's skink just cloud so much poison shooting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you know, going against the, if if they put in the, the you know the max nine salamanders, ugh. <laughs> oh, it hurts. You can't have nine salamanders. Oh, you can. They're aren't they? Are they? They, they can go in a pack. Yeah. yeah, they're rare, but they can go in a pack. So the max you could have is six, six then. Yeah. Two packs six. of three. Yeah. Oh, they have no upper limit on how many's in a pack. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Oh. It's just your points that restrict you. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So you could have just so many salamanders <laughs> and or the, the Razor Dawn guys. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. And even, um, I actually think for them, Bastilladons um, would be a viable um, I would agree. MSU. They're cheap, mm -hmm. they're cheap enough. They can shoot a laser at you, or they can drop swarms, and swarms are the perfect MSU mm. thing. Something that's yeah. unbreakable, MSU something yeah. that can come back. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think uh, that's a good point. That's and then pretty they convincing argument. Cow for cowboys and yeah. Uh, yeah, cowboys make great. And then and then they have the ultimate MSU wizard, Teto Echo. Yeah, I mean he's only 180 points. Lore master heavens. Mm -hmm. which is a great lore mm -hmm. for, for MSU. And he gives Vanguard, and he can do rerolls on his comets and all sorts yeah. of fun and stuff. They have, He's just, they have you've got two kinds of flyers. Crazy war machine hunters, yeah, the yeah. Ripidactyls and the... And the Chameleon the Skinks. Chameleon Skinks. Chameleon Skinks are the best war machine hunters in the game. All right, I'm convinced that that's yeah, probably that's, the scariest. It's very scary. I've never yeah. played against it, but thinking through it... And it, it's all it's really points-efficient, too. Well, and then the Dark Elf one is core. very scary in combat. Yeah, and shoot. exactly. The shooting is, is scary, and their combat is scary, but I, I think... I think the the lizard man one um 
man, there's just so many models on the field yeah. and they're so hard to yeah, eliminate. That's the thing is the dark elves, there's you're getting probably twice the number of lizards on the table that yeah. you could to the dark elves. So if you're going up against somebody who has high damage output too, yeah. um, like a, a gun line, mm-hmm. that dark elf army is going to have some issues if they castle up in the corner. Yep. Um, but the lizard men, they'll just come at you with more skinks than you can handle. That's right. And so much poison. <laughs> and they can fly over your front line because they have the flyers that can charge over yeah, instead. Yeah. I think it's a very, very effective build. Yeah. And it's one that's not played anywhere near as much as it should be. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you do see it, but you, so many people poo-pooing the lizard man and, and, and yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I have to be loyal to the, to the wood elves. Um, I think the MSU wood elf build is pretty scary as well. It is scary. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of ways you can play it too. You can do cavalry. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you can, can do, you know, all fast cav. You can do. And unless you have some of those, some of those war machines that I have access to in the chaos dwarfs that can kill off a lot of models at once yeah. then you're not going to have the ranged advantage and you're in that sticky yeah. situation of having to yeah. to come at the msu army and expose yourself yeah yeah it's a it's a tough one um i think all three of those are really good i think the demons um the demons is an interesting one that's very hard to beat um i think it's harder to pull off a, a good win with that army but i think it's really hard to uh, yeah. to get any points off of it either yeah so would you agree that overall I wouldn't want to face any of them. Let me put right. that Would right. You <laughs> an MSU army wielded by a skillful player is scarier than any Death Star. Yes. Absolutely. I yes. think all, Absolutely. to beat a Death Star, all you have to do is be a moderately good player who understands how to use movement phases and redirect. Yeah. Whereas be, a good player with an MSU army... Very, very hard very, to beat. Very, very difficult yeah. to beat. Yeah. Yeah. The Hobby Horse! <laughs> I really want to start this section by saying all your base are belong to us. <laughs> anyway, okay, so bases is what we're talking about. Um, this are obviously a part of, of pretty much every model in your army with a few possible exceptions. If you if you take war machines, they often don't have bases. Correct. Um, although The crew usually does. Yeah. Crew usually do, and some people will mount them on a base anyway mm-hmm. just for easy transport. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we want to talk about, you know, some of the, the different things you can do with bases um, from an artistic standpoint um, to really help uh, your army look cool and then how you can go about creating those. So um, let's let's talk about Ricky. The the, the point you were just making um, off air as we were as we were preparing for this, it was about um, how you can how you can theme the bases um, for your army. So yeah, so if you're coming to a new army project or just new to the hobby in general, and you can't come up with a really you want to have a themed army, but you can't really think of you know. Or maybe your skills aren't such that you can really do a lot of freehand or um, you don't want to spend forever doing a three-color color theme throughout your whole army or, or whatever or, it is. Or, you, right? yeah, you've got some units and you've painted yeah. them and then and then somebody gave you some units and yeah. uh, it's just like... Yeah. And they're, so one thing you can do to your army to really give that army not just a cohesive feel but also a theme mm-hmm. is <clears throat> base it in some way. And... We've kind of roughly broken it down into um, kind of well, I guess I guess one one is kind of a subcategory of the other, but there's lo- loca- locations and regions, 
is yep. one way to base. And then within within those, or sometimes separate from those, are seasons. So you can base with the different seasons. Yep. Um, so like that, the seasons would be summer, winter, um, spring, and then regions would be things like um, a desert base for the tomb kings, or um, it could again be a seasonal like um, tundra looking, yeah. or it could be jungle because that's going to be green year round. So that could be a regional base, or in the case of my night goblins, the underground stalagmite yep. look. Um, so or, or something you know that is that is or lava. Uh, yep, lavas, tums, uh, mm -hmm. stuff looks like that. Um, I've also seen like uh, city street. Yeah, looking stuff for stones. Yeah, empire, uh, cool for empire. People yeah. who do dioramas, um, you know, diorama type basing are usually the people who will do a strong regional theme. Yep. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and that's that's really a cool way to kind of do your um, tie tie a whole bunch of uh, models together. Um, Even when they have very distinct yeah, paint schemes. Maybe you have some models you painted years ago, um, and your painting has evolved, but you're basing across the whole thing. If you just went through and redid that, which is actually basing is probably the easiest part of doing a model, um, it can really kind of tie everything together. Mm -hmm. So um, you know that's yeah. interesting. I just thought about um, one of the things that 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 we were talking about the Bretonians earlier. You know, they have all that pageantry, and they all look so different. Right, and it's a but riot a of colors. Basing a consistent basing theme could be really. And this good, kind of yeah. harking back to a little bit when we were talking about army color schemes. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think something I said was something that really helps me first is to just imagine the physical environment. Yep. that the army is in, which is what you were saying, yeah. you know, and, you know, that helps you, you know, work out what the army as a whole is and what it should look like as a whole. Yep. And, um, and what represents the physical army, the physical environment within the army is the basis, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, for sure. Okay. So, so let's run through some of those, um, um, regional things. Yeah. You, you mentioned a few of them there. I mean, obviously, the the Warhammer world is kind of rife with interesting interesting places. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, uh, some armies are are almost uh, it's almost predicated what what their bases have sure. to have to be. Like right? picking an army you've already committed to, yeah, yeah. To some kind to of some, environment yeah. to you, some degree, but to some degree. But you can let. I mean, this is a great thing about Warhammer. You can kind of let your imagination exactly. run wild. Everything can be justified in Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but even if you take, you know, what seems to be the obvious ones, um, you, you can get a lot of variation. And so like, let's think about the tomb Kings. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're obviously desert. Um, the, the typical thing we think about them is, you know, Saharan dunes, you know, that kind of desert. There's a lot of different types of desert. Sure. You know, yeah. um, there's very kind of Mojave style yep. scrubland and yeah, um, rocky desert, rocky desert, yep. exactly. And then there's like the colder deserts um, mm. that you can get, like you get uh, in in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Or you could even uh, base them all with temple grounds. Yep. You could do cobble, you know, not true cobblestone because they wouldn't be granite probably. But although I guess. Egyptians used granite a lot, so why, yeah, why, why couldn't not? it be yeah. granite cobblestones? You know, so you could do you could do yeah, a gray cobblestone as the base if yep. you wanted, so or no... sandstone, or yep. you know, or or you know, if you think about the Nile Delta, um, it was all it, it was, was all reeds green. 
and uh, you know you think about it in your head like yeah, the papyrus and lush and, and, lush and, and, and yeah. crocodiles and and that sort of thing yeah. you know so so don't limit yourself when you're when you're thinking yeah. about yeah, what the crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well yeah i mean you could you could take a you know what would typically be a lizardman themed base and put it on the tomb kings and yeah and i bet it would look cool yeah know? i'm sure and, I'm it, sure and it you would be like oh yeah there is rivers in the desert isn't there yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, what were we going to talk about? I was just saying that, that, uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, if we're going into a bit of deep detail on some of these possible themes that you mm -hmm. could have, mm -hmm. right. You know, not to limit yourself. So that's desert, you yeah. know, um, wood elves obviously, um, is something that, that I've put a bunch of thought into. Um, you don't need to, uh, restrict yourself to, oh, it has to be leaves, you right. know, uh, or it has to be brown and green, which is how I started, you know, painting yeah. my armies all brown and green. Um, you know, I, I guess with them, the seasonal variations comes yeah. in, you know. Yeah, and they actually built that into the fluff of the new Wood Elf book. They really made it so that you can play or justify playing with any seasonal mm -hmm. painting. <laughs> but which there's now certain yeah. regions that are perpetually stuck within yeah, one season. Yeah, which I thought of. was was really kind of cool that they did that because that um all of a sudden my winter theme <laughs> elves <laughs> makes makes a little more sense now so, they have a home yeah and so um, uh so you know that that's kind of kind of cool you know that they were able to do that yeah uh, um and again you know even there um there's no reason why uh they have to have um a lot of uh foliage, you know, foliage yeah. on yeah. on the base or anything like there's that a, there's like the whole um, there's a mountain region. Yep, and the so pine crags. So you could got... do a whole rocky base looking thing and say, oh, this is the, the pine crags area. With, yep. With like So it's really part of like developing the fluff of your army, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you can also just, you could equally well say, you know, this is like a, a traveling art, like a questing army kind of. It's yeah. going to be somewhere that you wouldn't expect this army to be because they're yeah. like Bretonians would be a prime example. Yeah, or, or Bretonians could have yeah. a desert themed army because they're questing they're a crusade, to find some relic. Yeah, yeah. yeah or, absolutely. Or lizard men in, on right. a snow base. I've seen yeah. that. And anybody before. who's like, you know, kind of. Um, pillagers like warriors of chaos or mm. beast men they're gonna they go be anywhere. anywhere they want yeah. to do some pillaging yeah. so yeah that's a very good point very good point yeah. so so you know, think through what you what you want to have um so that the there's obviously that's your imagination um yeah. um i i i like to think that anyone who plays warhammer does not have much of a limit on their imagination mm -hmm. so right. um so you know go for your life when you're trying to figure that stuff out now the next part that we're kind of going to go in and talk about is is maybe what might actually rein in your mm, imagination a little bit into, into a real physical thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, I, I hope what we'll discover is that it's it's not as difficult as people might think it is. So no, I still maintain that basing uh, at any level is still going to be the easiest thing to do. The easiest and thing to like get. A great result, yeah. Easily, yeah. something yeah. that people are like, "Whoa!" Because yeah. there's not a lot of uh, blending involved right. usually. And anything you do have most... to paint, it's a flat surface. Yeah, or much. just or a, a texture. dry brush. Yeah, or a texture. Yeah, yeah. So, dry brushing. Which and everybody can dry brush. So yeah. there's, um, yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's pretty pretty simple, and I think people shouldn't be intimidated about really trying a complicated what would might look complicated basing scheme but it's actually really simple usually yeah so yeah so let's go into some of the sorts of materials um uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff 
Um, we'll do our best to put together a, a list of, of links mm -hmm. to the places that we buy this stuff from. Uh, we don't have any affiliation with any of this stuff. This is just, we're customers. Um, so, um, you know, if we do mention something, um, I, I'll, when I go through, I'll, I'll make a note and we'll try and get some links to, okay. to everything yeah. by the end. Um, so yeah, let's go through some of the, some of the materials that we might want to be using when we're, when we're putting our bases together. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with the absolute simplest and what I do, um, nine times out of 10. Now I go to a walk in a park. I pick up sticks, I pick up rocks off the path, and I pick up dirt. And I put them <laughs> in little baggies in my pocket, and I go home, and I make bases with it. And um, Somebody's going to call the cops on you one day. Start rattling around <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. dirt. Um, What's in that little baggie, sir? Like, uh, for those of you who might have uh, looked at the photos of Durthu on Tale of Painters or on just the, the homepage of the podcast... Um, you're going to see a bunch of leaves on there. Uh, those leaves were literally real leaves that I picked up, dried out, crushed up, and glued on. I didn't worry about getting those fancy laser cut leaves or, you know, anything like that. I've actually what looks more like leaves than, than just like crushed yeah. up leaves. Yeah. yeah. And um, if you want to do colored leaves, um, go to your kitchen cabinet and look at the herbs. You're going to find oregano, thyme, things yeah. like that. All of those are dried in there. You can sprinkle some of those on there and you get the added benefit of it smells good. A nice yeah. aroma to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, this tree man smells you tasty. Know, it's it's very <laughs> very yes, yes. If, you're, if you uh, normally have an opponent who's a rather ripe game, <laughs> you, you might enjoy it. You, you know, just keep smelling your models. The, the Pretend like you're getting down to measure distances. Yeah. And, uh, oh, fuck uh, God. Really <laughs> that, that gamer smell, yeah. Yep. Um, the other so, thing that, I, that I've done for that is... Um, the birch seed pods. Mm -hmm. um, if you have birch trees nearby, the little seed pods hang off. Um, and when you when you pick them off and um, crack them open, the little casing around the seed pod looks just like a tiny sycamore leaf. Oh, um, nice. So you can just dry it out. In fact, if you buy um, you know leaf foliage in a bag, uh -huh. a lot of the time that's all it is, just dried out birch seed pods. Perfect. So yeah. take a look around your neighborhood so, for yeah, birch that, seeds. For me, that is, I used to be like, oh, I have to buy sand. Oh, I have <laughs> to buy, I have to buy rocks. I, there's, there's only three kinds of rocks. I can't find the right rock I want. Oh, I, I need a, I need to spend ten dollars on a bag of sticks. I was like, what? Uh, I'm being such an idiot. You yeah. know, there's certain things that you will find that you need to buy, but, um. Sand sticks or dirt, sticks and stones. Sand yeah. or dirt, sticks, stones, and leaves are certainly not things you need to buy. Um, save yourself the money. Put the money towards the plastic models that you can't sculpt yourself, and go out with a baggie in your pocket and pick up these materials. And uh, you'll you'll find that your basing is actually more organic and more natural looking because when you buy stuff that's in a quality controlled, all the pebbles are the same size and you put that across your army, it ends up looking not quite so organic, okay. not quite so realistic. So dare I say that your kitchen tip is sage advice. Say uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I couldn't help it. Oh, that's good. I'm out. <laughs> um, okay. So then beyond those, like pick them up and, and glue them down kind of materials. Um, there's a couple of materials that I think you're going to find that you will um, want to have and that really go a long way and 
um, to, to bringing a base to life and that are hard to replicate without actually buying. And I think for those, they're the static grasses, whether you buy them as the pre-made tufts or just the grass that you're going to glue down yourself. So, um, so what I've never used static grass before, and I've, obviously I've seen it mm -hmm. and, and read about it, but, but what is it? So it is usually uh, fibers of polyester, which um, react to a static charge. That's okay. where it gets the name static grass. Okay. And if you're using static grass the way it's intended to be used, you're going to put down some glue mm -hmm. that is usually water-based, and you're going to use something that's called a static grass gun. I think that's what they're usually called. Um, and you'll touch a little... Uh, you basically create a circuit that goes through the glue that you put down where you'll touch a little needle with a wire that runs up to the um, applicator which has a mesh on it that's usually got another electrical charge and so you end up creating this little electric magnetic field uh -huh. and as the grass falls through it the static grass ends up standing up and gives you that tall grass look right okay so that's where it gets the name I found that if you're just gluing down your own static grass, just put down the drop of glue, sprinkle your static grass on there loosely, and then blow on it softly, just like that. And that usually stands the grass blades back up and then leave it alone to dry. And it does fairly close to the same thing. So you don't have to invest yeah. in the special those, equipment. Because those real <clears throat> applicators are pretty expensive. They're, I think, like $200 for the oh, good oh, ones. Wow. Now, there's ones you can make online with those electric bug zappers. There's actually some pretty good how-tos on how to do that. Cool. Um, and they're a pretty cheap way to do it. Um, but glue and blow is kind of your... Well, you are walking around in the parks with little baggies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like... um, I've also... So I've... I've taken to, I I'm use sorry, that when I'm doing a whole army, yeah. I'll just use the static grass. That's cheap. It's cheaper than trying to buy the tufts. When I'm doing display models or characters, I tend to use these pre-made tufts. Um, they're usually, I think, Silfor, S-I-L-F-O-R, something like that, I think is the one that I prefer. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> they have, what they'll do is they'll make static grass the same way, but they'll have two or three different colors in each one of these little pre-made tufts. Mm -hmm. And they'll have two or three different lengths as well. So you end up getting tufts that look like they have not only fresh growth, but last season's growth. And so you get that nice. It looks or, organic. Or more organic yeah. variety, which is hard to accomplish on your own with, um, even if you're blending your own. You, yeah, yeah. you tend to end up not quite successfully, unless you have one of those applicators yourself. If you have that applicator, you probably don't need to listen to this rest of the Yeah, time. that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so You're I tend to buy, already. so for me, um, I still do buy the tufts. I think yeah. that's the one thing I that I- I use the tufts a bit too. The yeah. Army Painter has a pretty good yeah. range of yeah. tufts. I and use those a lot. I actually think the Silfor are more economical compared to Army Painter. I think mm. Army Painter charges a little more per per like inch of tufts or something like that so and the cool thing about the silver ones is you can order sample packs from them they still charge you for the sample pack but the sample pack is the same size as the armor army painter ones or even bigger and so getting that sample pack is actually cheaper than the army painter ones has more in it and you know 
yep. they have a lot more variety too. So cool. those things are super easy to use. Put down a drop of, um, you can either use PVA or super glue, either one. You just grab the tuft by the, the fur, pull it up, stick it down, done. That's all it takes. Nice. Super yeah, it easy. Looks really good. Yeah. And um, you know that's a great product. It's it's super fast to do. So so for me, one of the easiest ways to do basing now is glue down some dirt, sand, whatever you prefer. My personal preference is like the Vallejo textures paints because um, they're already colored. Yep. They stick really well. The sand doesn't rub off, and it's a really really fine sand, so it looks more like natural dirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I found with the um, GW textured paints is that is not a consistent mix in the texture. Yeah, they don't put enough in there, yeah. and you're yeah. paying a premium for yeah, you know, paint with sand. Yeah, like I I bought one can of Vallejo. I think those are probably they're they're big jars. I think they're I don't know, however, probably about eight ounces. Yep. And um, I've done my entire Skaven army, my entire Night Goblin army. And numerous others with that one jar. Nice. That was probably like ten bucks, and it, and it applies super easy with. Is the that what Goldfag is on? Yep, that's what oh. Goldfag is on. That's the base under Durthu here. Nice. Any of my models that you look at that's been done since my Skaven is done with that same jar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's super. So easy. it's definitely a worthwhile investment, it's, it's, right it's there. It's a really good value. That's that's if you, um, the thing I like about it is you don't. It dries really fast. It smears on with a with a sculpting tool, um, just kind of your spatula shaped sculpting tool. Oh, and it, and it shapes up, so it's textured itself, and yeah. it, and it shapes up. Yeah, and if you, you do want a to, wash over that to get yeah. a little depth into yep, it, you now. can do a wash and a dry brush on top of it, mm -hmm. and it's done. So on, so they come in several colors. There's like three or four different colors. I prefer the one that's just a gray. Um, then it's like it's primed, and you can yeah. put whatever color yeah. you want on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my personal preference, but there's, there's ones that are, um, kind of a almost bubonic brown now, I think is the color, but it's kind of a, a warmy yellow brown. Um, it might be good if you're doing yeah, like a and, desert or. Yeah. And then there's a true oxide one, which is really red colored. Um, hmm. there's also one that's really heavy texture. So you can get those. Now you can also get these same kind of textured, uh, mediums just by going to like Dick Blick. And getting exactly what that is is a textured medium. Hmm. So it, they'd have pumice ground up in there, and it was just going to be basically a white or clear with all that sand texture already in there. And you can smear it on the same way that you can with the Vallejo. I just think the Vallejo has a slightly smaller grain than hmm. even the smallest one of those mediums. So it, for me, on the scale models, I think it looks a little more natural. And I like that it's already pigmented. Yep. So, yep. All right. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of, I think, the things that I would purchase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so that gets you, you know, uh, um, just to talk through that real quick. The the texture paint gets you your kind of your baseline of right. here's my ground, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then your trip to the park gets you some natural ornamentation. Yep. To go on there, and then the tufts to make it look like it's you know in a field or, yeah. or, you know, whatever else. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, you know, and, and this is pretty much exactly what you've done for both dirt through and gold bag. And, and, uh, they, they look fantastic, you know, um, but, but it doesn't address some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier in terms of themes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why don't yeah. we, why don't we dig into some of those now? 
Um, Let's start with Tom's uh, Chaos Store for me. That's a good one to start on. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's... um. So being Chaos Dwarfs, it's set, the army is set in the Badlands, which is like a magma, kind of ashy wasteland. So I do the magma bases for them. It's something that is pretty common through a lot of armies you see have magma bases, yeah. especially in, in 40k. Chaos does You a see lot. a lot for like Chaos armies. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty common uh, theme of base. Well, it looks awesome as well. Yeah, it can. Yeah, the the highlighting on on magma can end up being really eye catching. Yeah. So there's two parts to a base like that. Um, you're gonna have to have patches of of magma in there, or little streams of magma running through, um, within the broader context of some kind of ashy, rubbly, um, pumice kind of kind of rock. So. The most important thing for making the base look good is the the magma itself, and that's really something we haven't talked about yet, which is just painting on the base, yeah. on the surface of the base. Very simple. So just blending through or layering up a bunch of different colors mm -hmm. from a dark red through your oranges, yellows, and all the way up to whites on the, you know, often you'll see a patch of magma in the corner of the base. And you're coming up through your yellows and just do pick out the very corner of the base in a mm -hmm. white. And it really is eye-catching and just stands out. Um, and then for me, the, the materials for doing the rest of the base outside of the magma is... I, I guess I'm actually one of these schmucks who buys uh, gravel or sand. I, I got a couple of um, big containers of... I have two different sizes of the gravel from Woodland Scenics. Yeah, that's what I'm still working yeah. through those, too. They're, and you get a really big container for, like, 10 bucks. Yeah. So I have two different sizes. I kind of I just mix them up in a little pot. So Because, like you were saying, each one of the size classes is pretty homogeneous. Yeah. And it's not going to look like there's, you know, much, it's not going to look natural to just have this. So I mix up a couple of different sizes, um, sprinkle them on, and then it's just a a patent dry brush of that gravel. Mm -hmm. The gravel is kind of a dark gray. I just painted over black real quick and then dry brush a couple of gray highlights. So I think, I mean, I think I've seen that on your, on your infantry. Yeah. But then like when you look at That'll, your yeah. Kadai and the bigger models, yeah. um, you've gone a step further. Right. So that, um, for those, for the bigger models, yeah, like my war machines, my Kadai destroyer, I want to make them look more like in a magma field with kind of fragmented rocks um, that are almost like sinking into the magma, I guess. So for that, I use um, cork, which is a basing material that's used for a lot of different style yeah. of bases, I guess, and is... We should go into it a little more. It's a really yeah. great basing material. So where do you, where did you get that? I use um, cork coasters, which is something you can pick up in uh, home, kind of home stores. Yeah. Um, craft stores often carry them. And recently I've just been buying them off, off Amazon. There's one particular brand I really like. Um, just cork coasters, they just break really easily in your hand. And along the break, they develop a kind of nice jagged texture that looks like just like a bit Natural. of uh, basalt, yeah. you know, kind of a very... Yeah. Uh, 
vesicular rock. I'm a geologist, so that's what. A rock, <laughs> yeah, we could. Do I that. was a geologist, uh, so a rock that. I'm that sorry. Did, did you say testicular rock? <laughs> vesicular. A rock that's a rock that <laughs> cools even, with a lot of gas. Even more painful. Okay. <laughs> the gas will form these pockets in the rock called vesicles. Okay. Which is what a basalt is. Whoa. Vesicles. So okay. then, you, so you break up. It still makes cool. me want to cross my legs. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about about <laughs> you're talking about cracking the uh, mm, yeah, so you just yeah. crack the cork boards up into kind of rough <laughs> rough sections that look like a little chunk of rock, and um, so along the sides where you break it, you already have this nice texture, and then on top, I just use like a nail or something, even like my thumbnail sometimes, yeah. or just like a little pin or something to just scratch up the cork, so you develop that nice like. Rough surface, vesicular texture all over it, and then um, and then again they just they look great after just a black base coat and two highlights, yeah. two dry brush highlights, so yep. different grays, um, yeah, and those will be surrounded by little rivers of magma again mm -hmm. going dark red on the outside to thin, ye bright yellow and white stripe mm. down the middle. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, the cork is something you can get a lot of different effects yes. with. You know, yeah. I've seen people use it to to address um, balance issues in models. Mm -hmm. You know, where one foot has been up and another foot's been down, and yeah. they just use the cork to even it out. So it's a really nice thing to just make. You know, any kind of rock that you want to have in the unit mm -hmm. to kind of create some height differential, and especially for characters. Yeah, you know the the old uh hero stone thing yeah obviously in yeah. battle any hero sees a rock and jumps up onto it to, <laughs> to pull fight some yeah. dramatic yeah. pose and then fight everybody <laughs> heroes look good on rocks this is a well-known fact there we go <laughs> yes yes so yeah i agree, I agree. bit of cork on the base the, the nice thing about cork as well obviously it has that lovely flat top if yeah. you're just breaking up a cork coaster mm -hmm. so you can set your model up on it really nice and just scratch it up around the yeah. model wants it stuck on, up on there. It's also very light. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's good too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so that was magma bases. Yeah. The, the uh, winter slash tundra base is another very common yeah. one that you see somewhere. So creating the, the kind of snow and ice effects. Yeah. For uh, So for me, what I ended up doing, because I, I played with some of the um, snow flocks. And it just didn't look like snow to me because mm. snow never really looks that just, fluffy. Mm -hmm. um, only in Canada, fresh yeah. powder snow. Only looks pretty only fluffy. when it's actually falling, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I thought I knew stuff about snow until I lived in in Saskatchewan. Oh, and I don't know how you survived. Yeah, that. I mean, there, I remember one day coming out and there were there were snow crystals, ice crystals on my car. It literally looked like something you would see in a Disney movie. You know, mm. they were they were mm. big they like leaves, perfectly. and and when you picked them up, they were. Uh, I expected them to tinkle honestly in my hand <laughs> when <laughs> I picked like, them up. Um, so yeah, there's you can get a lot of amazing stuff with snow, but the stuff that we think of as snow, um, you know, does not. Yeah. It, it's flat, and it's you know when when you see it's snow here, and it's down. usually melting a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that, I'm guessing that's what you're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, you know, 
if it, if it was so cold that you're getting ice crystals forming on stuff and it's fluffy like that, yeah. you're probably not going to be going to war. <laughs> right? Good point. You're, you're going <laughs> to end up with the, the, the whole invading the Russian front in the winter scenario. Right? <laughs> That's right. So what I'm talking about is maybe that fresh, you know, maybe it just fell a little bit, but you're still marching through it and you're making it muddy. Yep. But there's still a few patches of it. So that's what I always envisioned when I did my snow bases. So I played with the flocks. I felt like they were too fluffy. They didn't look good. What I finally ended up doing was taking um, Elmer's glue, which is just PVA, yep. and I would squeeze it out onto the base into a big blob, just like you would like if you're about to put static grass on it. Yep. Let that dry. Do that two more times until you get a nice mound of just white PVA, and I'd do that over like a couple nights. And then I would just paint it white. Hmm. Nice. And it just makes a it because as it as it dries, um, it kind of shrinks and conforms to the rocks or gravel that you have underneath uh, it. Oh, so you're getting a bit of text. Yeah, yeah so it'll mm -hmm. actually kind of follow whatever you have underneath it. Um, so if you squeeze it over some rocks or or over a tree, and then all you have to do is paint it white once it's done. And then um, if you're the well, the other problem with those um, those kinds of flocks is they just have a nasty habit of putting them in your in your army transport three times and they're all gone yeah um so you know they're just everywhere all over mm -hmm. the table all over your bag but not on the model yeah so <laughs> it can often yellow as well yeah as and you see can... some i i saw i knew this guy in la who had a beautifully painted warriors army and he did snow bases on all of them he just did it with one product all at once did all the bases mm -hmm. And just overnight, it all turned yellow, and yeah. the whole army just looked crappy. Yeah. Then. So I don't, I, I don't know what products to caution you against to do that. Yeah, I don't know, know particular. Um, but I think, I think some people were getting good effects with the new GW Snowflock. But I, I used for I my won't... Beastmen, I used the again the Woodland Scenic Snowflock. Yeah, and I, it has the problem. He says it look, it doesn't look that realistic. It looks kind of like little piles of sugar, I guess, on yeah. bases. But from a distance, I think it's pretty good, and I never had a problem with yeah. it going yellow. Yeah, it doesn't. I I've seen the what you're talking about with your wood elf snow bases, and that definitely looks more like a pile of snow. Yeah, and if um if I had done what I did with those, after I did what I did to Durthu first, mm -hmm. then it would look super realistic. Yeah. But at the time, I had I was still in the my mind was still in the I have to use sand as a base. I have to use certain size sand because that's what I have to buy, mm -hmm. and then I have to. It has to sell. Has yeah. to say Citadel on and, it. Free and, your mind, man! Free your mind, man! <laughs> Break free from the the, the, system. the system. Don't let the bastards grade <laughs> you down. So, because uh, so so now that if I was to redo those same things, I would probably do the exact same thing. I would base it up to the point that I have Durthu, yeah. and then I would squeeze big blobs of glue on that then paint that white and nice. it would probably look really realistic like nice. the snow was just starting to melt away and there was all this leaf litter and stuff underneath it or it had just fallen a little bit and it was melting away yeah. in the fall yeah. so either way um what's interesting is um from listening to you guys both talk um there's i've seen effects done and i think i've done a few um in the past where you, you build up something with either the rocks or, or the cork board mm -hmm. um, to create, um, you know, like a, a, a raised area. And then you've still got like the, the, dip, the dip in the base. Yeah. And then you can um, fill that up with the, um, with the PVA glue. Um, and it, there's certain types of PVA glue that dries clear. Yeah. 
Um, and so um, as long as you've got one of those types, um, it can create like a nice wet look. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, Elmer's will do that. If you yep. apply it thin enough, it's going to, it won't cloud up. Yeah. If you get it more than about maybe a 16th of an inch thick, then it might be cloudy. So, yeah. And you also have to make sure your brush is really clean. Yeah. <laughs> or else it will pull the pigment out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, uh, but that can look really good if you want like to have um, some sort of effect where you're you're like marching through riverlands or um, you know where you're coming from where it's always wet or mm -hmm. like in a jungle you know in a rainforest yeah. type scenario yeah. um, you know it, and the dried glue um, when it's thin with that wet look it, you can put it on leaves um, you know you get those little plastic plants that actually look pretty darn good for yeah. jungle plants. Um, you know, a little bit of those drops on there and, and now it's a rainforest as opposed to, you know, just exactly. a regular yeah. jungle. Yeah. So actually that segues nicely and I think into the last part of, of what I wanted to talk about for, for the bases, which is, we, you know, we've talked about a whole bunch of different ways you can get stuff on there. Um, we, we didn't really go into a whole lot of depth about the sort of ornamentation you can put mm. on the bases. You know, mm -hmm. we've talked about broad themes, um, but now, you know, you see them. Sometimes you see um, little mushrooms and, and little special effects on there. Um, you know, one that stands out for me, Ricky, from your Night Goblin army is the stalactites or stalagmites mites, mites mites. that you've Tights got. Tights hang. Tights hang, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They cling tight to the ceiling. That's mm -hmm. what I always remembered. Yeah. Um, so... Um, you know, the, the, um, I think there's a, there's a bunch of possible ways you can go about doing these things. I'm yeah. going to start with one, um, which actually involves one of my favorite substances to work with, which is Sculpey. Yep. I love that's, Sculpey. That's what I used to do all of the Night Goblin uh, stalagmites. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember yep. you mentioning yep. that before. Um, so Sculpey, um, very easy to work with clay that you bake in the oven. Um, uh, your very own, economical. Your too. own oven. Oh, yeah, super yeah. cheap. And uh, and you get so much of it for what you what you spend on mm -hmm. it, um, but um, one of the things that you can do, and this involves a purchase, um, is there's there's a quite a few out there now. You can get um, basing molds, mm -hmm. um, and so these are basically heavy duty rubber molds, and you just you just press some Sculpey into them. And it molds in, uh, into a certain shape, a bit like, you know, how you used to stamp with your Play-Doh when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the molds uh, often have a theme. Um, so you spend like $10 or $15 on the mold. And it's got a theme of, you know, maybe it's, well, it, it's easier to imagine a theme um, from a science fiction, but it's like a theme of a factory floor, yeah. right? Um, and so it's got all the sorts of things you might expect to find on a factory floor, right? Mm -hmm. And there are fantasy ones as well as, you know, village ones and what have you, you know, and they might have a little bit of a broken wheel on there, like a cartwheel or something like that. Yeah. And you can just easily mold those sorts of things with a bit of Sculpey, bake it, cut it out and stick it on your base. Yeah. Um, and half the time they're even shaped in base sizes, you know, so you can just yeah. um, do a whole bunch. So that's one way that you can approach very easily if you're if you're not into walking around in the forest with little baggies, and uh, <laughs> and you don't have a huge amount of money, you know, this uh, can get your great uh, impressive visual effect mm -hmm. um, without having to have a whole lot of skill or time. Yeah. So so that's that's the one thing I wanted to mention, and then and then let's talk a little bit more about ornamentation beyond that. Well, uh, 
Tom made a point earlier. Just just add more skulls to it. More skulls. <laughs> I actually you want have, to look better. Just add more skulls. Yeah, I've actually bought a whole box of just Tomb King inventory at one point, just for the skulls and and skeleton bits. Yep, horde bits. You can yeah. buy skulls. Yeah, very yeah, cheaply. Crap ton of skulls. And, uh, I actually on the night goblins. I I so I made the slagmites out of um. The the basing scheme for me was make the slagmites out of sculpey, bake those done right glue those on with rocks at the same time pose the models on there with the rocks and the stalagmites add skulls and bones and mushrooms that i would cut the mushrooms off of the the sprues or or whatever um and then i would take the the textured sand and i'd work that on in between everything and then it would get primed with the model at the same time. Yep. And then it was just a quick two-color dry brush, and it was all done. Super nice. quick and easy. Yep. So um, ornaments are are really going to add a lot to your army. Try Don't worry about getting ornaments on every no. model. In fact, the you want to just do it on a few spots here and there to help break up, break up the scenery. If you do have skulls on every base... It looks, look a little little, bit scully. it looks a little weird. It <laughs> yeah. looks just a little weird. Yeah. But if you maybe put skulls around maybe the unit champion mm. or, you know, definitely on a on a super favorite character of yours. No, they need two skulls. Oh, two skulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, at least this one is a, This is a two-skull minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, like Golfag here, he's got a great big one that was sculpted on there for him. So yeah. that was nice and easy. Yeah. Um, so if you are... Just trying to sprinkle some um, some across the whole army, then those GW basing kits are actually pretty okay. Um, I ended up buying one of those when I first started thinking about doing the Night Goblins. Opened it up, was somewhat. I was really happy with the quality and the detail on the few pieces that were in there. The little resin but, pieces. Yeah, but most there of were, the kits are just rocks. <laughs> but yeah, so. The, I actually got a lot of use out of those resin pieces. I used all but one piece, I think, because it just was too big to fit on the 20 by 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used all the others because they were they were nice, and I could sprinkle those throughout. And they have some nice little those little yeah. resin bits in the Citadel Basin. There's some that have like a shield kind of poking yeah. out the ground, just yeah. stuff that's kind of been buried in the ground yeah. a little bit. And it, it just saved so. me the trouble of trying to go through and do all that myself. Mm-hmm. But honestly the cheapest easiest way yeah, to do it you couldn't use that on a whole army no you could not band. you could not so i just use that to sprinkle out but the the easiest thing to do is just open up your bits box and yeah, grab some grab some stuff that you if your army use. has one particular nemesis let's yeah. say then a bit of paraphernalia from that army yeah if you uh, if there's around. some buddies that you always end up playing and you're just now getting to finishing up your army ask them for a few bits so you can cut them up and put them on the bases, and it makes it look like you guys have been fighting sure. yep. so many battles. And that's another thing. That's like going for a walk in the park, you know. Some yeah, trade bits, you trade know, bits, trade bits, and you both get do a trophy stuff. swap after a game. You yeah. know, loser yeah. has to give some kind of trophy to the <laughs> one that they can add to the base. Yep. All right, one of the coolest, uh, you know, slight aside here that I ever saw um, in the Skaven army was I think it was in one of the White Dwarfs a while back, um, where the guy had. Um, uh, he had three old gyrocopter kits 
and he'd used them across the army um, as the Skaven were, were kind of destroying the gyrocopters. Nice. And he had one that was a, a rat ogre literally grabbed one out of the sky and, and the dwarf was still in it. <laughs> and this was like a big unit filler. And I think I've seen was, that same one. We, yeah, should, yeah. we should talk about unit fillers at some point. Yeah, we that's should. That's another cool, yeah, it is. cool it is. thing to do. I mean, sorry, that was a bit of an aside, but it reminded me of it because I was thinking, yeah. oh, what bits can I easily get? You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so your your raid your bits box. Um, you can use some Sculpey. Yeah. Um, I think also um, it's amazing, like the amount of uh, kids' toys and stuff that come with something that's easily turned into a a, a base feature. Yeah. You know, um, particularly if you're if you're doing anything that's plant oriented or mm. or or you know so, somewhat natural, and <clears throat> Uh, I, I think I mentioned last time when we were talking about green stuff, um, you know, when you've got a little bit of green stuff left over, you can make anything you'd like out of it. That well, yeah, and uh, for Tom's lava, he say if he has any green stuff left over, he rolls it into a ball, cuts it in half, and that's the yeah, bubbles that's in his the lava. the bubbles in the lava. And yes. I've seen people do that same thing with, uh, like, bubonic water, you know, mm -hmm. like little oh, bubbles yeah, yeah, in the yeah, water. Nice. Yeah, so, pools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all so right. So just, you know, if you just think about it, you can make your um, your army really creative you can do even anything if you, you set like, your mind to man. yeah and it's not, i don't think it's <laughs> facing your really dreams, isn't man. that hard it really isn't yeah. okay so um the reason we decided to talk about this was the the Durthu base has gotten several comments i've been asked on how i did that so i'm going to just do the step by step on that um and again we've pretty much already covered it all so first um I did all the basing after Durthu was painted. I did the um, I did the textured Vallejo sand. Then I took the stick and a couple rocks, and I super glued those down. Um, actually, I did the textured sand, then I dry brushed it um, and washed it so that that was all done. Okay, um, that took one night because I had to let that. There was some dry time between putting the sand down. The sand dried in about an hour. Then I was able to paint it. Mm -hmm. And then another hour later or two, I was able to glue the sticks and the rocks down. Then um, after I glued the sticks and the rocks down, you'll see that kind of green in there. Mm -hmm. That's that old sawdust kind of flock. Yep. Yeah. Um, that I still have a little tub of that that I've had since I first started the hobby. My first Lizardman models, that's what I used. Makes great moss. Yeah. And so if you just glue that down on little pools of... Um, uh, glue PBA. it makes little moss patches and that's what i did is i glued it on tops of rocks on tops of logs that might have been laying there for a while and around the edges of those and then um i got out the the crushed leaves and what i do is i take just a matte varnish i spread that over it sprinkle the leaves onto the matte varnish and then it sticks and then i take more matte varnish and i kind of start dabbing it on top of until it actually really pulls and mm -hmm. holds it down because now you can actually rub these and they will not yeah i was off. gonna say they seem a little more permanent yeah. than just flaked leaves and nice. because it's the matte varnish it doesn't really um doesn't shine doesn't doesn't shine it doesn't look like big chunks of glue um so because it goes on water thin mm -hmm. and then after all that's done i just glue on those four tufts of grass and i was able to do all that in one night really so um it's not a and if you were doing that across the whole army, it goes really quite quick, really easy. Yep. Yeah. The the one thing that uh, I think is is we didn't really call out is is about you know the different sizes of bases that you have. 
um, across your army. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, like a lot of infantry, you don't really have space to work with. No, and and so for me, like I, um, one of the things that I've done in my army is is the infantry are all just you know sanded and dry brushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the uh, it's only when we get to like the monstrous infantry, yeah. the tree men, even just cav, you the have eagles. A, if cavalry just have four little you know hooves or something, there's a lot of space on yeah. that base to. To actually work in some detail. Yeah. Um, for flyers, um, you know, flyers have a different set of criteria for bases. Yeah. Um, with, you can get super creative with them. Yeah, for sure. And and what I've done is um, I've actually used the base as a way to make a stronger stand because I don't like those little spindly stands, especially on the metal models, which yeah. is what most of the eagles still are. Um, so, like, I sculpted a waystone out of mm-hmm. out of Sculpey. And I literally, when the, when the sculpt, is is done um i hadn't baked it i got the eagle um and i stuck it on top and dug the claws in so i have the footholds on there and then i baked it and then when i took it out it's just it was literally molded to the feet you know so (laughs) perfect um very easy to glue it on um after that i've also done the same thing as you you know got the the stick and you can you know super glue the stick to the base Mm -hmm. and then and then super glue the 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 eagle on top of the stick and then you've got you know a great looking tree stump sort of base for things and those paint up really nice yeah and the the other thing worth saying is like the rocks and the stick on here i didn't paint i glued them on afterwards Mm -hmm. because no no matter what i did you make it look so much like a rock i know how (laughs) that's that's the thing we tend to do is if we glue all that stuff on before then we end up having to go back and paint it and just using the real variation of different colored rocks and the real variation of that stick actually has different colored bark than the heartwood and stuff like that. And if you had to paint that by hand, yeah. oh, that would take forever. No, it looks just, nice. Just glue a stick on and, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's done. Yeah. You know? yeah. And just do it at the end so that you don't have to do the painting. Yeah, yeah very cool. Okay, so um, I think, did we cover everything we wanted to talk about with bases? Anything uh, else? Yeah, seems mostly. Good to me. Yeah, <laughs> people right. have questions. Just yeah, let us know. Fire them at us on Twitter. Oh, this is a good way to segue right into the end section. Uh-huh. If you have questions or or suggestions for topics or uh, want to correct us because we said something completely idiotic and wrong, um, Tom. Yeah. yeah, by all means, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We're um, at Cascade Podcast. Uh, you can also join us on our forums, dimensionalcascade.com, uh, or just comment right on the, on our podcast blog, um, which is dimensionalcascade.com slash blog. Um, and I think we are going to wrap it up for there. It is it is well after midnight here, and, and Tom's about to turn into a pumpkin. Oof, so it's going to be brutal. <laughs> yeah, extra coffee for tomorrow. Aye. So um, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we will hopefully have episode 10 out in a couple of weeks' time, and we'll, we'll be reviewing the Wood Elves. Woohoo! Yay! And, uh, um, oh, you know what? Actually, there might be a slight delay on that one because... Wet coast is yeah, yeah 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 well we maybe, record we'll probably record or go before we go yeah, yeah that seems not? good all right great well thanks again and uh, we'll see you again next time. Bye.